Hello there, welcome to episode 203 of Riot Act, the music podcast. I'm going to drop out the alternative because <laughs> just prepping you for when we do Beyonce next week. My name's Stephen Hill. How are you? I hope you're very well. Thanks very much for tuning in. Thanks very much for listening. He's here for one more week, his final week. Let us celebrate him. Let us worship him. Let us tell him what a lovely man he is. He's called Sam Slight. That's his name. And his voice sounds like this. Sam. Hello. I'm as surprised as anyone <laughs> to be here. <laughs> How are you doing? You all right? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Uh, yeah, it's been, uh, it been a great ride. Doing right out so far. Back for one last, you know, one last attempt. And of course, everyone knows the final one. Much like Alien Resurrection. Not quite as good, but kind of interesting in a schlocky manner. Yeah, we're going to do, um, uh, like Alien Resurrection, in two years' time, we're going to do Sam versus... Sam versus Predator. <laughs> versus Predator. Yeah, just why not? I was actually saying versus Tom Dare. Uh, oh, no. Be sort of I... not, not really accurate to what either of your characters are actually like, but yeah, we'll do that in a little bit. We'll do the uh, notoriously poor spin-off at some point. But Sam, you're here for a final week, one last week of you. Thank you very much, Sam. I'm going to say... Um, just as an aside before we get into the show it's been very very lovely having you on here it's been lovely chatting to you because we've sort of chatted at gigs and stuff before we've never sort of sat down and done big deep dives on music and whatnot just the two of us so um, a you've helped us out of a sort of sticky situation which I massively massively appreciate b you've been very good and c I've thoroughly enjoyed doing all the stuff that I've done with you so thanks very much just wanted everyone to know how appreciative I am of Sam's efforts and you should be too because if he wasn't here there wouldn't be a podcast at all which I mean wouldn't be the worst thing in the world <laughs> but you know you want the podcast that you're listening to it so presumably you want it so thanks very much Sam we, we really appreciate your efforts well thank you and thank you both you know for asking me to be a part of it and uh, it's been great getting to contribute it uh, to to a show that I loved prior to being on it. Uh, obviously, I haven't listened to it for a few weeks because Lord knows I'm not going to listen to myself. But uh, yeah, it's been great fun. It's been, um, yeah, it's just been a really joyous experience. It's been so much fun thinking about music critically again properly and getting to do it in such a conversational way. So yeah, great. Thank you. It's it's been lovely stuff. Now, listen, uh, before we go any further on the show, we should say a big thank you to our friends and sponsors over at the, at the Arc Tangent Festival. It's getting closer. It's getting closer, Sam. Arc Tangent is happening. It is actually... It's, look at me. It is happening. Don't worry. It is happening. From the 17th to the 20th of August, Arc Tangent Festival takes place. They are our sponsors. We heartily approve of them as a festival as people and of course with the lineup that they have put together which contains everyone from opeth to cot of luna to tesseract to zelanada to maybe she will to perturbated to alcester enslaved to mccluskey to devil sold his soul to jamie lenman to caspian bosk the arm pool bearer delta sleep puppy palm reader emma ruth rundle imperial triumphant sad to see earth tone nine i mean i shouldn't be sort of focus on the negatives but you know sad to see earth tone nine are i mean they haven't pulled out they're not a band anymore mm. it's not like they pulled out they're just not a band anymore so they won't be playing uh at arc tangent which is a bit of a shame but i'm sure they'll be replaced by something equally as excellent oh absolutely so absolutely look forward to that festival go over to arctangent.co.uk forward slash tickets and buy yourself a ticket because i would imagine there's not going to be many left what with it being so close to the festival and if you are uh, um and ah and going oh i'm a bit tight and it's coming a bit late well don't worry we can help ease that financial burden slightly somewhat by having this very fine 
code. I'm looking for the word code. <laughs> it's a code. Yeah. Uh, Riot Act ATG. Put that in the checkout. You get 10% off the ticket. There you go. Go and get yourself something nice, darling. Buy yourself something treat nice. Yourself. Oh, yeah, there you go. Love, love. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Buy yourself a nice drink, darling. <laughs> go on. Go and get yourself something nice. So there you go. Art Tangent Festival. Thank you very much for sponsoring the podcast. Uh, on this week's show, we're going to be talking about new music from Jack White from Working Men's Club. We're going to be talking about some pretty fucking good potential reunions, actually, after talking about not such a good one uh, a few weeks ago. We'll be talking about the Mercury Prize nominations some interesting stuff in there and as it is sam's last week we wanted him to go out talking about the music that he truly truly loves so he is briefly and i do stress briefly <laughs> going to be talking us through you know <laughs> his 20 favorite albums of all time aren't you, sam? you know my uh, proclivity for concision steve uh yeah i'll try and keep it brief but yes we're going to rattle through the albums that i believe are the best in the world ever and actually you're wrong if you think otherwise so shut up Bloody hell, he's coming out swinging. Uh, go over to patreon.com forward slash right act podcast and you can sign up for some of the exclusive content that Sam and I have been putting and all this, well, all of the exclusive content that we've been putting out for the last four years uh, over on our Patreon page. And there should be a Rioters review coming up this weekend on an album that I have to say I am not that familiar with. We're going to be doing Billy by Lawnmower Death. Yeah. So. Lawnmower Death are a band who I sort of remember the name of back in the day. They've played Download a lot. They're kind of sort of a comedy metal band, which, you know, um, but I've not listened to the album yet. So I'm not going to make any kind of snap judgments. But you you looking forward to, because I know you haven't gone in on Lawnmower Death either, have you? Sam? No, they're a name that I always see crop up at, you know, various <laughs> festivals all over the country. Uh, they seem to play Leicester a shocking amount, which may be an indicator of the quality before you've even listened to it. But um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to dive in. I mean, they've kept their career going for so long without getting absolutely staggeringly massive as a kind of pants comedy band. So there must be something there. So yeah, I'm looking forward to diving into it. I was just looking at where they're from. They're actually from Nottinghamshire. They're from Ravenshead. Ah. So that's maybe where they play Leicester quite the a Milan lot. Milan of the Midlands. Yes, <laughs> that, that is what that is, yeah. But you can sign up for any amount. You'll be able to listen to that Lorma Death uh, Rioters review and um, all the other Rioters review that we have done over the years on bands like Thrice, Tears of Fears, David Bowie, Slint, McCluskey recently. Um, Nick Cave, Bon Iver, Oasis type of negative, character decapitation, loads, loads of stuff over there. If you upgrade to the £5 a month tier, we still have our classic album on Rage Against the Machines, Evil Empire was the last one that we did, me and Sam, and I'm sure there'll be a new one coming very, very hot on the heels of that at some point. Um, that's £5, you get two of them a month, and well, the Deftones, we did Deftones and Rage, didn't we, Sam? So we did we did a pair. Yeah, there. lovely little 90s loving. Good. Yeah, so, you know, you can sign up for two classic albums a month for £5. That's patreon.com forward slash Riot Act podcast. Go over and have a look at that. Oh, shout out as well. The news is just broken. This has got nothing to do with music, but fuck it. Uh, Bernard Cribbins just died. Yeah. Do you know Bernard Cribbins? I do, yeah. Um, yeah, I just saw that. I, I, I was tempted to just say to you, like, before we start recording, oh, you seen Bernard Cribbins has died. That's sad, isn't it? I mean, I don't know his work super well. I mean, obviously... I'm aware of the Wombles because I'm, I'm the Wombles I'm a kid in the UK. Mm. I do know who the Wombles are. For me, it, my kind of experience of him was he was in the David Tennant series of Doctor Who and very, very powerful emotional performance. So, R.I.P. Bernard. R.I.P. to Bernard Cribbins. He was also in. He was um, Mr. Hutchinson in Forty Towers. <gasps> oh, Brilliant. Bloody hell! Of course he was. Brilliant performance. Oh, yeah. yeah, amazing. Yeah. 
I mean, you know, this is a music podcast, but I do think sometimes we like to tick over a little bit into just general pop culture. And like I, I, love, I love Bernard Criddle. Yeah, like the Wombles. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, what they had a single out, so I think it yeah. counts. Yeah. Um, sad, really yeah. sad. Poor Bernard Cribbins. Uh, R.I.P. to a British institution, a legendary character. Shame. Anyway, let's talk about music <laughs> some more. Um, the Mercury Prize nominees are out for 2022 we'll talk through them now i'm going to be honest with you i've not listened to all of these albums if you have sam do chuck chuck in your opinion on you know what what you think of them um but uh the nominees for the 2022 mercury music prize are forest floor by fergus mccready not listen nope. to that so i haven't listened to that no i haven't trezor by gweno you heard uh, that afraid not okay that's all right um that is sort of folksy it's got a touch of mm, i don't want to say bjork because that will give people the wrong idea because i think bjork is a lot broader mm. but it's quite kind of i i almost felt like it was kind of scand scandy folk pop oh, okay that sounds all right yeah. it's all right yeah it's all i mean look it's all right I, I it didn't make me want to go back and listen to it loads to be honest but i thought it was all right here's one for you harry's oh, harry okay. styles yeah I mean, you love that. We reviewed that when Sam was on the show before. Bit of you in it. You love Harry Styles. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. I love that album. Uh, but to be mm. honest, I mean, maybe I do have to reconsider my position. I've not gone back to his other stuff. And, you know, <laughs> I've I've not listened to One Direction since I was a, a wee lad. So, uh, yeah, who knows? Maybe I do no. love Harry Styles, actually. Maybe yeah. you do. Yeah, look, Harry's House, very, very good record. Not that surprised to see that nominated. They do usually nominate, like, at least one really, really big one. And um, it's, a, it's a really good record. I have to say, Music for a Sushi Restaurant was pointed out to me the other day that that is probably going to be used on X Factor. Mm. You know, and they're like, we're in Nottingham. And they go, and that's basically ruined that song yeah. for me forever now. Thinking of Ant and Deck or... Oh, who does it now? I don't even know who does it now. Kate Thornton? No. Dermot? Is it Dermot O'Leary still? Maybe. Don't know. Anyway, whoever does it going, it's done for the X Factor. Thousands of people are here. <laughs> Today, we're in Birmingham. And they all go, way. <laughs> and it'll go, better than that is definitely what's going to happen. That's a shame, that. Um, uh, slightly different thing. Although, reality TV, another kind of reality TV star, actually. Jesse Buckley and Bernard Butler... For all our days that tear the heart. Have you heard that album? No. Uh, Bernard Butler. Any relation to Bernard? From oh, Suede. Okay. I was going to say any relation to Bernard yeah. Black from Black Books, but it doesn't work because it's just the first name. So yeah, sorry. Doesn't work, is it? Just the first name. Cut that out. Yeah. Don't <laughs> cut that. No, keep that in. <laughs> keep that in. Um, Jesse Buckley was a contestant originally on. Oh fuck! One of those BBC Andrew Lloyd Webber ones. Oh where... yeah, yeah, yeah. One of those how to solve a problem oh, like Maria the... type ones. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know which one it was, but she was on that, and she's obviously gone on to become a proper actress and a sort of well-respected um, uh, sort of artist in her own right. And Bernard Butler from Suede. Listen to a bit of that. I actually hadn't listened to it until the nominations came out, and I was like, oh, I should listen to that because you know I like Suede, and I thought you know I've seen Jesse Buckley's face around on various things she's a good actress um didn't really grab me that much gotta be honest didn't really grab me that much um skin by joy crooks heard that no. album right we, we only only harry's a mainstream shill i, only, yeah, just, just I only like styles. harry styles and napalm death those are the only bands i, I like yeah anna anna nakrath 
and anything that Simon Cowell yeah. doesn't say. The only two things. Yeah, <laughs> fine. Um, Joy Crook's Skin. It's actually quite a good record, that. It's quite a good record. It's quite, quite kind of, um, again, I guess quite a ethereal, modern, alternative pop sort of thing. It's all right. I don't think it's like that at its A game, but it's pretty good. Here's one that's brilliant. Reason to Smile by Koji Radical. Ah, yes. I have heard that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Back that. That and the next one, I think, would be my personal favourite to win. Uh, or what I would wish to win. So Reason to Smile by Koji Radical is brilliant. We've viewed it on the show. Great album. In my top 20 from last year, this would be, for me what i hope to win sometimes i might be introvert by little sims spoken Ooh. about this album a lot amazing i wouldn't be surprised if it does win um i i think it would certainly be just and fair if it did because that is an incredible record uh, but also little sims i think you know thinking cynically as a kind of awards body got the backing of the public i mean maybe not to the same extent as a harry styles you know not as big a draw but i think little sims has got a very good shout at winning it and deservedly so yeah, I haven't seen the... Bet- they normally have the kind of betting, the odds. Right. Uh, and I haven't seen that yet. I mean, it might actually be at the end of this article that I'm reading this from, so I'll have a little look in a minute. Uh, no, it's not. Um, so, yeah, I haven't seen that. But, yeah, I would have thought Little Sims has got to be in with a pretty good shout. Although the Mercury do it in a weird way sometimes. And sometimes the thing that you go, well, that's quite big and it's critically acclaimed and it seems to have really crossed over and it's got to be a favourite and then it just doesn't win. Mm. They that does happen quite a lot um so but you know for me that would be the one that i would want to win this has been a massive talking point in i guess what you call rock circles sam interesting that this has been nominated supernova by the nova twins yeah interesting is uh definitely the word i think um good Mm. for nova twins you know i think they they do uh, carry a, a very respectable message and a very you know positive ethos um i'm just not sure that the music really grabs me but then i don't know if it's intended for someone like me who does listen to harry styles and napalm death and <laughs> lives in leicester and is kind of you know just a white middle class slightly rotund gentleman yeah do you know look the thing is right i haven't listened to supernova because mm. i wasn't particularly impressed by their debut album so i haven't listened to it so i have no I have nothing to say about the quality of the record. I, I, you know, the quality of the first album led me to not be particularly interested in checking out the second album. I probably will now. I was sort of going through them and I listened to um, Jesse Buckley and Bernard Butler uh, and Gweno before I listened to Nova Twins, which I think, again, maybe says something about how excited I am by uh, by them as, an, as, as a band as well. Um, it's interesting, the the kind of... For years and years and years and years, people have been going, why is there not a rock band? Where's the rock music? Where's the kind of, alter, you know, where's the alternative bands? Where's the metal bands? Where's the rock bands? And now we've got one. Um, but I've not heard the record. Because so, I was going to say, now we've got one. Um, you kind of wonder when the next one will be along. Will this be something which opens the door to this sort of stuff? Mm. Getting in more often? Or will it be a case of where well, you never had a chance of winning? Yeah. So is it is it the token gesture like to kind mm-hmm. of? Um, and it, again, sorry, no yeah. shade on the Nova Twins. I just want to say that there isn't anything else that British rock music has released in the last year that I think is deserving of a place. It's not like I'm going, oh, why the Nova Twins when it should have been X? I don't actually think there is anyone who deserves 
a Mercury nominate. I mean, this thing that they do where they go, like I, I've seen a lot of sort of rock sites and stuff go, oh, you could have nominated Silosis for that. And it's like, as if they're good enough. Yeah. As if they're anywhere near good enough to get nominated for the Mercury Prize. Like, the Mercury Prize, I think, actually is quite good. And I think they usually, their nominees are, are, are fairly worthy of nominations. And the reason why no rock bands have been nominated for God knows how long is because in this country, I mean, I suppose like Biff, I think Biffy got nominated for the Mercury Prize in that. Yeah, they did for Puzzle, yeah. didn't they? Am I am I completely off piste in thinking that? I think they might, might have done have around been that. Puzzle. Maybe I only Revolutions. I thought it was only Revolutions yeah, got nominated, maybe. I thought. So, you know, you've had Biffy who are sort of the standout band from that scene. Like, you know, you meet at six and bands like you know they're not going to get nominated and i think you know, even nova twins is quite surprising but i mean i have to give i am going to give supernova a listen mm. and just see because if it's a sort of ithaca style jump then you know it, it may well be it may well be like a massive jump from bands do do that you know average first album incredible second album loathe did it yeah totally yeah i mean loathe actually would have been one where i would have been, been like they you know, I mean, from what I've heard of Nova Twins, again, I can't really say because I've not heard the album, but if they, yeah, that's a, anyway, they weren't going to get nominated either. Um, sorry, I did cut you off in the middle of something there, Sam, you had a point to make. Oh, no, that's all right. I was going to say, I mean, it's, uh, I think it's, whether it's just a token gesture for this year or not, I was going to say, I mean, it's one to assuage the kind of metal crowd and rock crowd, but it's like, but actually they're never going to be happy, are they? Because as you say, it's always going to be, well, why isn't it Lorna Shaw or whoever, like, just plucking a random they're name American, out well yeah i know yeah. i know they're american <laughs> i know i chose the worst band i could have done there uh i don't know but yeah like oh why not palm the hellstorm are the worst band you could have picked to be fair i meant in terms of I mean, geography I know they are brit yeah i know i know they are british but hellstorm even if it was even if it was an award ceremony for the best scottish pirate <laughs> metal band with racist pricks in the lineup i still wouldn't want Hellstorm to even be nominated that's a fair point Anyway, sorry, go on. I've cut you off again. Uh, no, well, it was just going to be, I don't, I think, I don't know if it will, I mean, I hope it does open the door. I think it would be cool to get more exposure on the kind of heavier end of music, naturally. It's where I, my kind of tastes lie, generally. But, um, yeah, I I don't know that it will, like, it'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see. I'm kind of just hypothesising off the cuff, really. It's like, if Nova Twins do really well off the back of this, maybe it does give the Mercury's more reason to bring in other rock bands uh but as you say i mean it's it, they've only got to be the ones deserving of the quality or at the very least have the hype behind them to even think about nominating them like no offense conjurer are not big enough to be getting nominated on quality sure but yeah it's not gonna happen yeah i mean to make you do have a, a history of nominating like quite a small artists as well oh, okay you know there are things you go i've never fucking heard of this before like i remember like I mean, Black Midi kind of came out of nowhere. Mm. Yeah, they a little while back. And there is always a few sort of people, when you look at their stats on Spotify, and you go, like, they've only got like 15,000 monthly listeners on Spotify and they've been nominated for a Mercury. Like, that does happen. But yeah, I just think that, yeah, to be fair, then they're not, yeah, they're not going to, they're not going to nominate Conjurer. Like, they're not. And to be perfectly honest with you, <clears throat> and again, this is something I think that metal fans or, and rock fans go, well, why aren't they doing that? And then they go, we don't need the mainstream. Mm. But then they do that. Like, for me personally, I quite like the Mercury Prize. It's the only sort of music awards thing that I actually go, I actually sort of pay attention to, really. Like, you know, I watch the Brits and stuff and I'll look at the Grammys and whatever. But I do actually quite like the the, the Mercury. I think it's good. I think it picks up. And I think this is a, 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 I think it's a very good list. 
like broadly from everything I've heard from it, most of the stuff I think is is really good. As I actually like it, and we'll get to some of the other stuff which is good in a little bit as well. Um, but um, I don't care if rock bands don't get nominated. No, I couldn't give a shit. Couldn't give a shit. Like honestly, couldn't fucking give a shit about them getting nominated for the Brits or that. Oh, we need to like you know bring metal to the forefront and rock to the forefront of the blah, blah, blah. well you're only going to moan like most people are only going to moan when it gets there yeah so what's the fucking point yeah i mean to be honest that, that's a very good point because actually just thinking about my reaction to this sort of stuff is like i am one of those people who always you know kind of just goes oh what's the point of award ceremonies oh yeah rubbish 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 but then when a band that i do like gets nominated it feels like a vindication it's like oh so other people are listening so like code orange getting the grommy uh, grommy grammy nom yeah brilliant really cool they didn't win it of course they were never going to i mean it was megadeth who won it that year wasn't it for dystopia i believe yeah well they've been nominated twice actually Code they Orange, and i think mastodon is mastodon and megadeth yeah they lost yeah to. Uh, mastodon was the one i was thinking of actually sorry for the first one but yeah megadeth won the other time and it's like so yeah i mean i do find it cool and i don't know i always get suckered in by that kind of glimmer of hope that bands that i like are going to get that more mainstream recognition but i don't know that yeah do they need it i mean it'd be nice for them but do they need it i don't know they might need it. I mean, in terms of like their profile and their career and all these things, they might actually need it. I'm just saying, I personally don't I give a shit. Like, I don't care. I don't. I think well, this is going to sound quite harsh. I don't care if metal bands have to work second jobs and they never sell any records. You've chosen to be in a metal band. You, you you've chosen to play music that people don't like. So tough. Mm. <laughs> do you know what i mean like the world doesn't care about you um make like you know the people that care about you care about you and i think you know that's great and you're going to appeal to a certain section of people but most people don't care about this sort of thing and i think weirdly actually nova twins is is interesting because this is probably certainly since since i've been doing any kind of journalism like quote unquote professional like writing for writing for metal hammer basically since i've been writing for metal hammer um this is the most interest there seems to have been in rock and metal mm. in that in that period obviously you've got the mid 2000s where there were quite a lot of bands who were kind of crossing over and getting bigger and stuff and that we've spoken about the 90s a whole bunch of times it has been a very fallow period mm. for kind of mainstream attention with rock music and it does feel like that is changing quite a bit metallica on stranger things there was East Enders having an argument, two characters in East Enders having an argument about Black Sabbath the other day, apparently. I've not seen this, but apparently, like, they were playing Paranoid by Black Sabbath and they're arguing about doom metal and whatnot. And, you know, stuff like that, you go, oh, okay, like, people are seemingly much more aware of metal again. Um, lots of documentaries, lots of films. So I think the profile of it in general is is getting bigger. And I guess this is something which just kind of reflects that as well. Yeah, I suppose so. And actually thinking about even more kind of outsider art within metal. I mean, I um, met, uh, texted you the other week to say, uh, Worm Rot, who we covered the other week, um, they got to number two on the UK rock charts. And it's like, what? This like tiny Mad. Singaporean grind mm. band are actually getting some small slice of mainstream appeal. It's like, brilliant. Like, amazing. Who were they above? They were above Shinedown, weren't they? Oh, I think I, ooh, I don't remember off the top of my head, actually. And unfortunately... I've both mm. deleted that picture and it was weeks ago that I sent it to you. But uh, they were above some yeah, like, I bigger remember, names, definitely. 
Yeah, they really were. They were some legit bigger names. Anyway, Nova Twins, Supernova has been nominated for a Mercury Prize, as has uh, quite, I think this is an obvious one as well. 17 going under by Sam Fender. I think he's got to be a shout to maybe pick that prize up. He's done pretty well, hasn't he, Sam Fender? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Enemy Album of the Year. Uh, the Geordie Bruce Springsteen, I think <laughs> a lot of people are calling him. It's all right, that record. I, just, I think it's quite good, actually. I kind of expected him to be another, like, um, you know, quite bland, sort of boyish singer-songwriter-y thing. And it's actually it's actually quite good, that record, I think. Yeah, that would broadly be my feeling on it. Um, I mean, I can't confess that I've listened to the record front to back, but I've heard bits and bobs from it. And yeah, I think Sam Fender's all right. He's all right in my book. Good first name, especially, mm. so... Oh, big, hey, very good, yes. Uh, self-esteem, prioritised pleasure. Spoke about this at the start of the year. You know, critically adored. Again, I think that's got to be one of the ones that you look at and go, yeah, that, that might be mm-hmm. the one. Um, it's good, that record. I, I don't really see quite why it's thought of as being as good as it is. The reviews were mad. And I think it's decent, but I can't, I don't know. There's a few bits on it that I'm like, not so keen on that. But, it, you know, it's good. And it's a, an album with a clear purpose and style. And, you know, it's quite unique and original as well. I think, you know, like I, again, I've got no beef with that being nominated. Yeah. I expected. Yeah, to I be. mean, for me, I, I, I like it more than you did uh, based on your kind of... Um, I don't think you guys reviewed it in full, but you kind of did a summary as you've just done there. I, I liked it more than you. Mm. Uh, didn't like it as much as The Guardian, who I believe had it as their album of the year. I don't think it was quite that good, but I really liked that um, self-esteem album, actually. Uh, I'd be very happy to see that win, to be honest. I think it's a really cool, just fun pop album. It's not perfect, but, you know, if that won, I would not be disappointed at all. Okay. All right, cool. Um, Wet Leg. Wet Leg has been nominated as well. I really like that record. Like, is it a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant record? I mean, you know, we sort of spoke about this in the review, and I, I think, for me, in the same way as the Dinosaur Pile Up album, is amazing because it's just great, fucking, really catchy, memorable, instantaneous rock songs that sound a bit like Nirvana and a bit like Weezer. Wet Leg sounding a bit like a kind of modern sort of female indie singer songwriter in the Phoebe Bridges mold, by way of L Seven and Pixies with really good songs and being quite amusing at the same time i like it i don't know if i've spoken to you about wet leg sam but um what are your thoughts on that uh we haven't spoken about wet leg um uh i i agree with your assessment but for me it just didn't quite grab me as much as i think it has so many other people i think it's a good record but i mean it's not going to be bothering my end of year list personally it's it's like it's it's at the higher end of good but not great yeah, I mean, that's broadly kind of what I think. I think, you know, it's a 7 out of 10, but it's cool. I'd probably, if I'm allowed to do half marks, maybe a 6.5, but airing towards a 7 rather than a mm. 6, I would say. Yeah. Okay. And finally, <laughs> uh, I know you're going to have a lot to say about this. The Overload by Live uh, by Yard Act. Live Act? Yard Act. So, again, absolutely no surprise in this whatsoever. But, Really? Like, yeah. are we really gonna do are we really gonna go for yard act like this i mean i have to say the title track of this album in the aftermath of reviewing it and being not that keen on it i have rinsed the shit out of the title track i think the first song of this record 
is fucking brilliant. Absolutely fucking brilliant. But my God, it loses me very quickly, this record. I feel like I want to be quite careful about what I say because my, my best friend from secondary school actually knows Yard Act quite well and I know he's going to be listening to this week. Uh, actually, no, I'm not going to be careful. Uh, Sole, if you're listening, your mate's band are shit and I really don't like them. I really, really don't like Yard Act. Um, I, it's strange because I find the music really quite bland and just kind of uninspired and yet i have such a visceral reaction to it i really really don't like them i i I will give them a chance on their second album we'll see because there must be something there that everyone else is gravitating towards but for me at the moment they are not anywhere near deserving of the accolades that have been thrown their way yeah it's a weird one it's certainly a weird one that people have gone that hard for it and particularly when you consider that there's a couple of Thing. I mean, you know, we reviewed Hellfire by Black Midi. Mm. I imagine that will be eligible next year, probably, because it came out pretty late in the day. So although I am like, no Black Midi, I'm not entirely surprised by that. But Anstrom Up There by Black Country New Road. How the fuck has that not been nominated? How? Absolute madness that it hasn't been nominated. That is one, that is one of the finest records of the year for my money. Um, and yeah, Black Country New Road are one of the most exciting sort of young rock bands working in the UK. Um, yeah, I think that's a massive oversight. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't get my head around it. How could you leave them out with that album in, in with the that world? album? And they are so Mercury. Like I, I, you know, I made a bet last year when their first album came out, and I said if this doesn't get nominated for the Mercury Prize, I'll get Corey Taylor. Corey Taylor's solo album tattooed on my face I was that fucking confident that it was going to happen I'm fucking glad I didn't say anything this year because yeah. again I was like well obviously this is going to be nominated for the Mercury obviously it mm. feels so 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 perfect for a Mercury nomination and yet it hasn't got it so that to me is very strange very very strange I don't really know what's happened there um, but it's really weird really weird it's really odd i mean i wonder i wonder if um his name's isaac isn't it sorry i don't, I don't remember yeah, the, the yeah, yeah, i wonder isaac if it's is. maybe got anything to do with his departure i mean maybe may that seems like such a pathetic reason though like that doesn't make sense reason yeah and i mean beyond that i i feel like where people loved answering up there they thought it was a massive improvement on the album but i th- I, I, f- I seem to recall the kind of general response being a bit divided as to whether it was a progression in some circles. Say, so I don't know, may, maybe that's got something to do with it, but I can't explain it. There is no reasonable explanation for them not being there, to my mind. Yeah, absolutely maddening. Maddening. But there you go. Overall, pretty decent Mercury Prize nominations. Interesting enough, there are a couple that I've listened to, but you know, apart from that, I think, yeah. As usual, probably the best set of nominations for an award ceremony, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a good list. Mm. It is a good list. Um, Red Hot Chili Peppers have announced a new album <laughs> coming hot on the heels of their appalling, appalling last album, Unlimited Love. You wait a long time. What is it? Fuck me. Five, six years for a Chili Peppers album. And then two come along in the space of six months. Uh, it's going to be called... Return of the Dream Canteen. Now, I don't normally go, oh, this band are 
having a new album coming out. We don't really normally do that. But I just thought, because it's Red Hot Chili Peppers and I was so horrible about the last record. And have you seen the fucking artwork for this shit? I haven't seen the artwork, but before we go any further, I, I don't know if you were going to bring it up, but I think you've uh, overlooked the fact that this is a double album from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I was about to bring that up. Yes, sorry. it is a... Yeah. No, no, that's fine. A double album after you've already released one ridiculously embarrassingly long terrible record the front cover of this sam you might want to google this while you're i'll, I'll do it while you're trying red hot chili peppers return to the dream canteen just do that and go yeah. to it for like look at the, the album cover it looks like a kind of 1994 bootleg of a live Jimi hendrix album oh my do you know what i mean it looks like oh my. Put, like, look at the state of that look at the state of that so I just really brought this up because I just wanted to say, you know, I don't know if they're listening, and I know we got a load of, like, frankly, we we put we put the the Red Hot Chili Peppers review up on YouTube, and we had some embarrassing reactions from people. You should be ashamed of yourself. This is like sticking up for Peter Sutcliffe, or sticking up for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> oh, he's all right. He's all right. No, 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 no. This band, like, if any of you are listening. If Flea, if John Frusciante, if uh, the Will Ferrell one, <laughs> and particularly Anthony Kiedis, if any of you are listening, please stop making music. Please stop. Please stop. Because this is this is embarrassing. This is the worst. This is the worst a band have ever become. I've not even heard this record yet. I just know it's a double album. It's coming off the back of their fucking shit album. And look at the cover. I mean... It, um, oh, it's a disgusting just, cover. It looks like oh. it looks like Prime. The members of Primus have eaten a King Crimson album sleeve and then defecated it onto a canvas. Really bad. Yeah, it's awful. Uh, they they released a statement saying we went in search of ourselves as a band that we have somehow always been. Just for the fun of it, we jammed and learned some old songs. Before long, we started the mysterious process of building new songs. A beautiful bit of chemistry. <laughs> I doubt it. Meddling that had befriended us hundreds of times along the way. Once we found that slipstream of sound and vision, we just kept mining. With time turned into an elastic waistband of oversized underwear, we had no reason to stop writing and rocking. It felt like a dream. When all was said and done, our moody love for each other and the magic of music had gifted us with more songs than we knew what to do with. Well... We figured it out. Two double albums released back to back, the second of which is easily as meaningful as the first. Oh, wow. Bloody hell. Oh, or should that be reversed? Return of the Dream Canteen is everything we are and ever dreamed of being. It's packed. Bollocks. What a load of absolute waffling dog shit. Uh, just fuck off, Red Hot Chili Peppers. I, I, I'm very, very like aware that there are people who like Red Hot Chili Peppers who are probably listen to this podcast. You are like the fucking the beaten housewife who thinks he'll change. Like they are not coming back. Give everybody on Earth. This is my call to the people of planet Earth. Stop listening to the Red Hot Chili Peppers, please, please. For the love of all that is sacred and holy and sane in this world, you need to stop listening to the Red Hot Chili Peppers, or they will keep doing this. Listen to what they've just said about their new album. I haven't even heard it yet. Don't need to hear it. Don't need to hear how bad it is. It's going to be terrible. This is it instead of the review. I'm not listening to this and I'm not reviewing it. Fuck off. No, I'm not wasting my life listening to this fucking awful band. What are they doing? Why? Um, 
I don't know. I mean, I've never... Answer I've, the question, Sam. <laughs> I've never liked the Red Hot Chili Peppers. There's not a single album of theirs front to back that I've heard and enjoyed. Um, like Even the classic material, I think, is is rubbish. It's overwrought. It's mawkish. Uh, it's a band who have had a perplexing amount of praise lavished upon them for their entire lives and continue to and just don't actually have any kind of... They don't have any sort of internal... I don't know, quality filter, seemingly, because of the shit they do put out and have been putting out for years. And also, I think they're one of those bands who are so big that no one's going to tell them no, so they get away with putting out this crap and, you know, they'll get a kind of decent review from X magazine because they're good to be on the cover, aren't they? So, shit, hate them. I would love to tell them no. I would love to, but, you know. I don't have that power, sadly. Uh, so, yeah, look forward to that. New Red Hot Chili Peppers album coming out. Another fucking double album. Fuck off. Now, a couple of... Uh, we spoke about Pantera and the Reformation, which still hasn't actually been completely, mm. you know, confirmed. But it probably it, it pretty much has. But anyway. Um, but far better than that. Dave Davis has revealed he is optimistic about a Kinks reunion in the near future. So... He was asked about the possibility of a reunion tour with his brother, Ray Davis, and he said, I hope so, I do. Ray and I have spoken about it. It's possible. Now, this is a long way from being any kind of confirmation, but I think we talk a lot about who could reform. You know, who is left to reform, because kind of everybody has reformed. And it never even dawned on me to think of the kinks. Never even dawned on me. I suppose because Ray Davis does a lot of solo stuff. They split or did their last performance in 1996. Dave Davis was 50 in 1996. So I'm not going to do the maths, but he's really old now. He's he's, a, he's an old man. And, you know, he's a, he's a pensioner. Uh, but still, one last chance to see the Davis brothers together playing the Kinks songs. I actually think that is a very tempting thing to consider like i i I would really like to see that yeah i think it's a a pretty salacious proposition and you know they've got such a a, an indelible mark in uh in rock music's history i think you even if you're not mad keen on him you'd be a fool not to at least i don't know kind of even entertain the idea of oh it, it would be cool to see the kinks i mean i don't know maybe they get the if this reformation does happen, maybe they get the legend slot at Glastonbury or something like that. Because I don't, I don't mm. know that they'd be big enough to headline the pyramid stage. No, no, no. I don't no. think they would. No, no. They're not the sort of thing that would headline now. But no. I mean, if they if they turn up at Glasto, you know, maybe uh, 2025 or something like that. Or, or no, 2024. I forgot what year we were in. To turn up at Glastonbury 2024, uh, that'd be a great time. And that could be a kind of historic swan song for them, potentially. Unless they even want to go and do a full proper tour. Yeah, I mean, I think like Ray Davis actually did do the Legends slot at Glastonbury in the 2000s, mm. I think it was, in the kind of late 2000s. And, you know, it is brilliant. And the Kinks do have, like, a Kinks greatest hits. I mean, you don't... I am not somebody who knows every Kinks album and all the kind of deep cuts and B-sides and album tracks and stuff. But if you're saying to me, like, you know, do you want to go and see you know, Lola, You Really Got Me, all the fucking big, big songs, you know, that is going to be, that is that is going to be a, a very, very hit-filled set. And it'll probably be, again, one of those ones where, like, just some things right now, I'm like, um, fucking hell, they got a lot of songs that I'm trying, I'm like, oh yeah, that's them, and that's, do you know what I mean? It's, they're one of those ones that they play something, and you go, oh yeah, yeah, fucking mm. hell, shit, the kinks, yeah, of course. So, um, 
yes, would like to see that. And ditto would like to see. Jarvis Cocker has confirmed, confirmed, not conformed. He never, never conforms. conforms. Ask Michael Jackson, he never conforms. Uh, he's confirmed Pulp Reunion shows for 2023. Now, again, this isn't actually official, but he did a Q&A for his new memoir, Good Pop, Bad Pop. And during that, he actually sort of self-confirmed the fact that Pulp were going to be doing tour dates next year. And it's the 25th anniversary of This Is Hardcore, which might just be the best Pulp album. Although when I listened to it when it came out back in 1998, I fucking hated it. Uh, I really hated it. But as the years have progressed, I think it probably is the best Pulp album. It's fucking brilliant. And... um, and then the band's drummer, um, who, what is the name of the band's drummer? Nick Banks actually then sort of tweeted out like, yeah, yeah, yeah this is going to happen. So everyone's all in a lather about Pulp getting back together. And I think the last time, Pulp was split in the 2000s and then got back together and they haven't done anything for about nine, ten years or so, I think. Um, I've seen them before. Are you a Pulp fan at all, Sam? I think fan would be too strong a term, but uh, different class and obviously the song Common People uh, are kind of mm-hmm. pivotal in my in my life. You know, I remember one of my earliest memories of music ever is being in the back of the car and my mum playing that album and, and you know, having Common People on repeat on the tape deck and stuff like that. So uh, I can't claim to be a fan of all their work because I don't know it. But uh, actually, this makes me realise, shit, I should really get into pop because they are fucking great. So... Yeah, I think um, We Love Life was the one that they did before they split up in 2001. I just got the discography. I can't remember what the album was called because I wasn't that keen on that. But um, yeah, I kind of got out of, got into and got out of Pulp quite quickly, mm. to be honest. I mean, if you go back, like His and Hers was the, the when I sort of discovered them, the 94 album was, that was when I, I sort of discovered Pulp and, you know, indie and Britpop and all that stuff was happening then. And I think His and Hers is brilliant. You quite rightly said, Different Class is a fucking hit yeah. factory. That is an incredible greatest hits record. Um, both of those albums worthy of a classic album, as is This Is Hardcore. You know, This Is Hardcore weirded me out when I first heard it, when it came out. I was like, what the fuck is this? I don't know. But then, you know, I was listening to like Deftones and Refuse and Sepultura at that point. So I probably wasn't really in the mood for that type of thing and then they sort of split up and then as the years have gone on uh the more and more and more i've kind of gone back to pulp and been like god they were fucking brilliant to be fair they were brilliant and i think if you go back to some of their older albums in the 80s as well like freaks i think is really really good as well um they're a great band and i saw them once at reading in i want to say 2000 i think they headlined and um I had broken my ankle or I'd ripped all the ligaments and tendons in my ankle. And the whole weekend I was just in absolute agony. So I saw a lot of things that weekend and none of it really like, I think Foo Fighters and Oasis played and Pulp and Beck and at the drive-in played the the third stage. And I had to hobble into the tent to try and get a place throughout the drive-in. Rage played, Slipknot. It was at Daphne and Celeste year Mm. as well. Um, But all of it is a bit of a sort of blur to me because... I just fucked my ankle up so bad. So I have seen Pulp, but all I remember is just being like, I can't stand anymore. I need to go and lie down because my ankle is fucking killing me. So, um, yeah. So I don't really feel like I've Mm. seen them. So I would be very, very keen to see this. Where do you think they'd play? Were they to play, say, Glastonbury? 
I mean, if they played Glastonbury, I mean, to my mind, they would be pyramid stage headliners. You know, they, they have done it before. And I think, you know, they're one of those bands where their legacy mm. has grown. And Jarvis Cocker's such a kind of, I don't know, just such a such a beloved figure in, in music history, particularly in the UK. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd see them top in the pyramid stage if they came back to do Glastonbury. I don't think they could do the pyramid stage anymore. Do you not? Nope. No, I don't think they can headline it, no. Well, Is I think that... it's been... I think it's just different now. Glastonbury's different now. I think All Points East, British Summertime, doing Hyde Park, doing Victoria Park. I could see that. I don't think they'd be right for Reading anymore. No. I think they might be right for Glastonbury, but I'm not sure that they've quite... Bands' reputations dip and fall. I think it would depend on when it was... An, if it was announced and people went absolutely balmy for it, then I think maybe maybe they would be able to do the Pyramid Stage. But I think when you look at who headlined the Pyramid Stage this year and who they've been getting recently who have been headlined the Pyramid Stage, you're talking about like some of the absolute, the most current and the, most, and the biggest artists in the in the the whole world you know they've had taylor swift booked mccartney billy I- nobody's bigger than billy eilish right now no. hardly anyone's bigger than kendrick right now no one's ever going to be bigger than paul mccartney really taylor swift no one's gonna be bigger than that stormzy was like this is the moment that this needs to happen right now and then the killer i mean the killers are reliable like dec- over a decade and a bit of being a reliable stadium band mm-hmm. the cure i think the cure are probably when i look at the last sort of six Glastonbury headliners the cure are the band that make me go well maybe pulp could do it but then are pulp as big as the cure do they have that kind of obsessive hardcore fan base and that kind of crossover I think they do but probably not to the same extent as the cure I don't think and there were people I mean not that people watching Glastonbury on Twitter mean shit but People on Twitter were watching The Cure going, who are this band? Who are they? Mm. And I think you might get that even more with Pulp because they've not even really been talked about. I, mean, I think it's the same with Blur. I, I don't think, I think if Blur reformed, I don't think Blur could headline the Pyramid stage anymore. I think it's a weird thing, but I think they look more like kind of other stage headliners to me now, personally. Uh, fair enough, yeah. I mean, I, I don't really know enough about the culture of Glastonbury myself. Um, I only really sort of paid attention to it uh, to be honest, pretty much since Metallica headlined and everyone got really annoyed about it. Um, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, I mean, they'd certainly play it. I think they're still the right fit for the festival. But yeah, no, yeah. maybe maybe not pyramid stage headliner. Don't know, maybe a main support or yeah, or other stage as you say. I don't know. Yeah, I I, I think kind of British summertime Hyde Park feels like a likely destination for that. I would say, which would be amazing. I think that would be maybe Art great. Tangent with uh, Duran Duran. Maybe Art Tangent with Duran Duran. I mean, the thing is that they wouldn't. They if you're going to put them on Art Tangent, you want to put them on the Duran Duran day just so that everybody gets that day to go to. Um, but they probably want a headline, wouldn't they? We could put them on the other stage, so headline in the second yeah. stage. I think they could uh, sub Palm Reader on the Yokai. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a good idea. Yeah, do that definitely. Do that. But anyway, Pulp <laughs> and the. I mean, definitely Pulp. Maybe the Kinks. Sometimes cider. Uh, let's talk about something else because that's that's basically pretty good news, I would say. Um, a couple of albums that came out either last week or in the second album's case, the week before that we want to talk about. Uh, new album out by Jack White, Entering Heaven Alive by Jack White is um, the second of four albums that the former White Stripes frontman is going to be releasing this year. We've actually done 
this already we've talked about this already because we reviewed the very excellent fear of the dawn album a few months back that's one of my favorite albums of the year it's right up there i love it and um i uh i was pretty excited about this because i was like oh jack white's really kind of re-grabbed me he's good and uh it was funky it was full of really cool sort of squealy jack white-esque guitar riffs um this is a very different album though very very different this is much more acoustic a bit slower a bit more somber and broadly speaking to get my entire opinion out of the way first due to that i have to say i'm slightly less fussed by this record but there is a little bit more to it than just is it better than the last one uh before we get into it sam jack white white stripes uh, again let the people know how you feel about this band and this artist yeah uh obviously know the white stripes uh one of the you know huge rock bands of their era uh never particularly delved too deep on them i mean naturally i've heard elephant because that was a smash album you know when it came out uh seven nation army still regularly gets played basically everywhere doesn't it um whether it's football stadiums yes it does yeah, yeah yes quite yeah um jack white's solo career though i've never particularly um interacted with uh i did listen to the previous album after your uh the the riot act review of it and i thought oh, i'll check that out and i really quite enjoyed it um i would actually to get my feelings out of the way i'd say in a in a very different way i'm probably about as enthused by this one as i am by the last one okay all right sweet yeah. well let's talk about it then so i mean you know i think this has some great songs in this record really really mm. good songs um i particularly like the second track all along the way which is some really brilliant melodies and manages to sound a bit like neil young and scar at the same yeah. time it's really cool that song i think it's very very good there are also too many times in this record for me if i do have a problem with it is that a song that I think is beautiful or interesting is followed by something which gets a little bit too twee for me. Help me along the song which follows all along the way is solo Paul McCartney at his most kind of noodly and plodding and cheesy, I think. But then you get back to that kind of lovely classic white stripe sound on Love is Selfish straight afterwards. So it's a it's a dip and rise of a record it's a roller coaster it will hit some pretty high heights and then it will go pretty twee straight after it and it makes for a slightly for my money uneasy listening experience i would say um i do agree i would say more uneven than uneasy because i think it's actually it's a very very nice listen basically from mm. start to finish you know it's a real kind of like slick production as you'd expect from one of the biggest artists in the world um, I think it's got a it's got a kind of good heart to it. There's a good natured feel to all of this, and particularly on um, Queen of the Bees, it's kind of got this weird. Um, it's almost it's it's a bit of a curio in the album where it's got a bit of pomp that hasn't really been there. I think the the album by and large managed to stay remarkably understated given what's going on and the fact you can compare it to the work of mccartney and and i even think at points when the piano goes dead jaunty like on the opening track i'd say there's a bit of elton john in there to be honest but mm -hmm. um mm, but uh queen of the bees it's got this kind of like childlike instrumentation and a stilted stomp uh and it does feel like it could burst into kind of all you need is love type thing um 
And then there's this, this lyric in the chorus. It's, I want to love you like an ant climbs a tree. Let's stroll to the end of the street. Put your hand in my pocket so the neighbours can see. Feels like a weird, you know, kind of cheeky innuendo from a, a very conservative sort of suburban household. He's like, oh, I want to talk about sex, but I really don't want to actually say the word, do I? I don't want people to know that I'm a randy devil, but I kind of am. And I like that. <laughs> it's kind of, it's very playful. Um, and naturally, you know, Jack White playing a character. Uh, I think he does it really well. Um, I think the album as a whole, I think it kind of coasts along at a reasonable consistency until the end of A Tree on Fire from Within. I think If I Die Tomorrow and the subsequent tracks kind of broadly, for me, they kind of do what's already been done earlier in the album and done a bit better. So by the time you get to that point, I find myself losing a bit of interest. Mm. I I, re- I actually really like a tree on fire from within. I mean, yeah. T- que- weirdly, you pick Queen of the Bees, Queen of the Twees. I've put because I think it is <laughs> oh, quite it is. twee. Yeah. It's very very twee. And I was like, eh. I mean, particularly because it that song comes off the back of what I think is the best song on the record, which is I've got you surrounded with my love, which has a kind of David Lynchian jazz vibe put into some kind of bluesy pop framework. And I thought that song is excellent really really excellent and i thought a tree on from fire within is is good i mean i think the piano the production that like you say sounds really great and yeah you know it gets a little bit lightweight Mm. off the back of that towards the end of it and you get a couple more slow ones and it ends with a version of taking me back which is it sounds a little bit like beetlejuice um (laughs) just reminds me of danny elfman he beetlejuice and that that sounds like it will make it, it that sounds like that is a massive compliment um but i don't think it's anywhere near as good as that and it's a song that he opened the previous album with so it's a cover uh of an old sort of blues song and he opened the previous album with that song and he's now closing this album with it again but a different sort of version with it and for me the other version which was this kind of big electric sort of hammond organ princey style rock version is definitely the superior of the two and i think that kind of sums up this album in comparison with the previous one i think that those two versions of that one song to me are how i feel about the albums as a whole like i really really loved taking me back when it opened the last record and here i'm like oh this is all right this is pretty good um and i think that's kind of (laughs) you know my feelings on the album as a whole really like this is not bad but i thought the last one was great a lot of it might be down to taste. Like if you are more interested in slow acoustic music and you want something a bit kind of nicer, something a bit more late night to put on, then this is the record that you're going to want to put on. But broadly speaking, in terms of which one will I be going back to, for me, you know, I'm I'm certainly, certainly going to be going back to um, Fear of the Dawn. And I have more than I do this, I think. I think that's totally fair. And yeah, this is a much nicer, more pleasant album. I think this um, it's a much easier entry point uh, if you're discovering <laughs> discovering Jack White. If you're an idiot like me who's never really listened to Jack White stuff before, I think this is a good one to start with. Um, yeah, I, I agree that it is a lot nicer and, I don't know, maybe less, maybe less immediate and less impactful than the previous one but to be honest the previous one didn't grab me all that much and so that's why i say i'm kind of equally enthused about them both i think they're both good albums you know bordering on the very good i i really enjoyed this actually 
And it makes me think I want to go and spend more time with the previous record from this year. And I'm definitely looking forward to the following two at this point because they're such interesting dynamic counterparts. I'd be curious to see what he's going to do for parts three and four. Definitely. that That is the thing, I think. It's like, what does he do after this? Because I think you've seen both sides of the, the typical Jack White coin with the two releases so you've got that kind of more like you know the like lazaretto from the title you know the title track from that jack white solo record which you know incorporated all this kind of funk and hip-hop and you know really kind of hendrixy stuff there's loads of that on the previous record and on this record you're getting much more of the kind of hotel yorba um you know that kind of acoustic-y country thing and, and that's really broadly i think what jack white is most known for so what he does with the next two records, I'm hoping that he doesn't just go, oh, here's another Rocky one, and then here's another acoustic one. Yeah, that, that would be a shame, and it would feel like a waste of this project uh, to me. Um, the, these kind of, this yeah, full album suite, I suppose. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I'm not au fait with his stuff enough to know where he, where he's able to go next, let alone where he will go next. I mean, obviously, if you're up to me, uh, collaborate with an Al Nathrak, but probably not going to happen. Or Harry Styles. Well, either or. Either or. That's fine. But yeah, no, this is decent. This is decent. I mean, there's some really nice songs in it. There are a couple of really, really good songs in it. Um, I loved everything about the last one. I thought the whole record was just fucking great. I don't quite feel that about this. But, you know, that might be a tasting, I think. But overall, yes, this is decent. And Jack White is very good. So, you know, you're probably going to want to listen to it. And you might have already listened to it because it came out last week. It's called Entering Heaven Alive. It's by Jack White. It's out now. Now, the next album that we're going to be talking about actually came out two weeks ago and we fucking missed it. But... Uh, I really, really wanted to talk about this. It's called Fear Fear by Working Men's Club, the second album from the Manchester-based synth-pop band, the follow-up to their self-titled 2020 debut. Now, I'd never listened to them before. I've never listened to that record before. I kind of missed this band completely when they came out in 2020. But I actually heard Craig Charles on Six Music playing a song from this record a little while back, and I thought, fuck me, this is fucking great. And I listened to that song a bunch of times, and then I realised the other day, just randomly that the album was out. So I was like, oh shit, we've missed the fucking album. I sort of had my eye on that. And, um, but anyway, we're going to review it now because it's fucking brilliant, basically. This is really, really good. Um, This is, well, we'll get into what it is, but had you heard of this band before, Sam? Were you aware of this band, Working Men's Club? Uh, I was told about them the day this album came out. I've actually, it was funny, um, I was saying off mic that I'd been told to listen to this album by three separate people because they were like, oh, you're going to love it, mate. You'll absolutely love this. And I never got around to it until Steve decided that we we were going to review it. And my word, I'm glad that I finally got that kick up the arse because, yeah, this is fucking brilliant. It's great, this. It's really, really great. It opens so well. I mean, the song 19, it just kind of buzzes for about a minute. Mm. And then this killer killer beat comes in over the top of it and it just kind of layers stuff and layers stuff and layers stuff over the top it's about six minutes long nearly nearly six minutes reminds me a bit of copy of her by nine inch nails mm. which is the first song sort of proper on uh, hesitation marks great opening track they have this thing where they are cold and dark and also really danceable and that is a beautiful combination yeah, and I think as as we proved in the uh, <coughs> the writers' review on Ultra by Depeche Mode, it's a bit of us as well. Uh, Nineteen for mm-hmm. me, yeah. I mean, half a minute of just a low synth, just kind of crackling out. I was like, was this going to be like a Mersbo record or something like that? I can't imagine people actually listening to that enough to tell me. And then yeah, you get that kind of like 
programmed drum beat about 58 seconds in that goes a bit 90s rave and then i think minute and a half in it suddenly turns into the either the dark end of a band like new order or more contemporarily something like the lighter end of carpenter brew um and then when um the vocals come in dave garn isn't it it's got that reverb of mm-hmm. dave garn um yeah cracking way to start your album yeah it's really good and then it kind of goes into the title track and it has this siren in it there's something that, there's something that, this is a synth pop band but they're also they do i mean depeche mode do do this but more i think it leans into something that killing joke would do it's almost like a siren going mm. off in the background it gives this kind of apocalyptic feel to it and it's got that same kind of manic percussion that i mean i went on if you've listened to our classic albums on depeche modes music for the masses i kind of did a brief like surmise of synth music before we kind of got into the album this is like years ago now um and i mentioned warm leatherette by the national which is an incredibly important early sort of synth pop song and that kind of propulsion that that song has that title track also has that feel to about about it as well but in a much more modern way do you know that song warm leatherette by the national um the normal sorry not the national the normal i was gonna say the national though surely not um no, not by the national. i'm sure i've heard it but i couldn't recall it to mind based on the title alone i'm sure if i heard it it'd be mm. one of those ones where it's like oh that's that song yeah yeah it, it's filthy that song absolutely filthy and it reminds me of that it's class mm. it just goes into this kind of glitchy beat riddled thing it's fucking ace man fucking ace um yeah 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 fear fear um as you say it's got those descending synth drones i mean to me i said like a, an air raid siren in reverse because it's just that descending like as you say that apocalyptic feel um and i thought actually mm. i think killing jokes on the money um but the one that came to mind for me was the the clattering metal that kind of constitutes the drums uh in that that bouncy programmed way um it it just made me think of um like Kraftwerk and throbbing gristle and those early industrial and kraut rock bands um yeah mm. again a, a storming storming song and that kind of avant pop refrain that you get they're just like yeah 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 ma 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 etc you know kind of almost gibberish it's like it's weird it's, it's like they're playing the game but they're so resigned to it that actually they're gonna kind of fuck around and take the piss out of it yeah great yeah it, it's so i mean and and the, th- the thing i like about this album is it is dark mm. i mean there's a very sort of oceanic blade runner sort of feel to this song the widow and they're just really fucking detached and i think when you get this type of music and it's super dark and it's kind of you got that detached delivery but it's also really heavy that's fucking cool um one of the lyrics is misery is bliss to me i love you now now you're dead you you see and that's great like that is just <laughs> Like, it's such a fucking bleak thing. And people are like, oh, you know, like, I've seen your reviews moaning about us covering pop music. And I bet you're going, oh, pop music. You want want me to review Phoenix TX? Because it's a lot heavier than this, you moron. Like, no, it's not. It's not. This is fucking super dark, this music. Mm. That bass part is full like teeth. uh, Sorry, with teeth. It's full like with teeth era Nine Inch Nails in the middle of it. Nine Inch Nails are not a bad shout for a band who are considered, you know, or have been called a pop band. A hell of a lot of this really does sound like Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, absolutely. Um, particularly uh, for me, a song like Rapture, it's got that clattering industrialized percussion, mm. and it yeah, it very Nine Inch Nails. Um, I I I had I had Sisters of Mercy 
for Rapture. I thought it sounded like oh. kind of classic Sisters of Mercy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, again, not a bad chat. I mean, they are operating in this, um, in that kind of field of, you know, goth and synth pop and industrial all at the same time and bringing it together so well. And it's, it's funny because, I mean, it does lean on those influences very, very strongly. And yet it sounds super contemporary despite sounding like it's kind of late 80s early 90s like it's it's a, yeah. a puzzling mix and um i think it's yeah phenomenal this album absolutely phenomenal if i mm. did have one minor criticism and i don't know if you're going to agree on this i do feel like uh, the final track actually titled the last one it feels more of an extended sort of mood piece rather than a song which is fine i'm all i'm all for that um, and I really like the crescendo of the sort of synthesized strings that give into that final bass drum that really just hammers home that kind of dark edge. But I don't know that it needed to be just shy of eight minutes long. I think that song could have done with being a bit torter. It is quite long. Yes. Yeah. Like yeah. I said, it's nearly eight minutes long. But I think there's some really cool intertwined rhythms um mm. and this guitar feedback around it again it like i mean i'm about to talk about the prodigy in a minute and one of the things that i, th- I think are always great about the prodigy when you see them live is that the guitarist don't whoever's playing guitar whether it be gizbutt or um uh rob holiday you know whoever's playing guitar they, they don't actually have to do much to make those songs sound heavier just hit your guitar mm. and let it feed back and there's a bit of that in the last one which i thought was really cool and i thought because it sounded so just weird and heavy and, and great like and it and, and quite epic sounding as well i think it kind of marked them out as being fairly ambitious i can sort of see them ending their set with this and causing mm. some sort of having some sort of show around the song so i looked at it more as a like you know how would this look live rather than so yeah yeah like i get it like it's it's quite a long song i mean i think if if that is the biggest um criticism you have of the record the final track which is like the big kind of epic closer yeah. is a bit goes on a bit like it's a pretty good album right i mean that's what i'm saying is like that is me reaching for a criticism because i just think this is a, a stunning album um it made me feel similarly and i think there are there are some musical parallels i don't think it's a full fans of but it made me feel like when i heard compromat by i like trains it's like this band have kind of mm-hmm. for me come out of nowhere and just absolutely hit the nail on the head of what i want right now and i can see this album staying with me for a very long time and being a, a big favorite of mine um you're talking about the live show though i mean i desperately want to go and see them live off the back of this they're playing the one- kentish town forum in november so i might go to that Ooh, I, I might go to that as well but i was kind of thinking about um i was thinking what would it actually be like live because naturally synth pop you expect well with poppy synth pop you know the less dark stuff obviously you see a lot of technicolor and big light shows and things like that i would imagine this would be more in a kind of like budget nine inch nails and not as in like cheap but they can't afford necessarily the kind of production that Resner can but i would think it would be a lot of very harsh monochrome lights kind of strobing you um forcing you to just pay attention to the the bleakness that is hidden within this music well not even hidden it's pretty much at the forefront isn't it yeah i mean you know they're uh they're a four-piece. Yeah. Um, they're young. I'm just looking at a picture of them now. They're fucking young. Mm. And, um, yeah, I mean, cons- like, it's weird. You hear this and you don't expect 
young people in sort of Adidas tracksuits who look quite cool and <laughs> contemporary to to be <laughs> playing this. But here we are. I think it's fucking great. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's 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 some weird stuff on here that I wonder if they're even aware that they're referencing. You know, like I mean, that might sound slightly patronising, but I don't mean mm. it to be. Like, I mean, for the, just to say, like, Ploys was a single that I heard on the radio, and that is, ah. if you want to start with a song, I mean, that is a fucking great song. That is a perfect catchy single. It's just shy of three minutes. It's just a wicked, wicked, perfect radio single. But there's a song in it called Cut, right? And it sounds like this kind of 80s TV show theme to something like Tomorrow's World, mixed with like a poppier version of Genesis. And <laughs> yeah. it's got kind of almost like actual early prog and 80s silliness sort of mixed in together. I say silliness. I mean, I put it sounds like a kind of Android Bruce Springsteen. Like, it's really good. I mean, it's like Autobahn by Kraftwerk mixed with the 59 sound by the Gaslight Anthem, but in a prog style. It's a really, really weird song. But I fucking love it. I absolutely love it. I think Heart Attack features mm. some Heart sort attack. of 90s, early 90s sort of selected ambient works, Aphex Twin um, kind of sounds in it. It's really, really cool. And the vocals are so over the top, like so yeah. hilariously over the top. It's and creepy as fuck and money is mine is just larry liquid bass dirty as feck and you know again the vocals kind of i love i love layered vocals like i love yeah. when i say layered vocals i mean i love getting um two vocal lines kind of being two hooky vocal lines delivered over the top of each other is one of the fucking biggest thrills in music i think i think when you get that right it sounds absolutely brilliant and you know it sounds really great on that i think this album's just really really brilliant i love it yeah i mean this this is gonna be in my end of year list there's no way like it, it's gonna have to be a bloody good year for this not to get in at least at least top 15 i think this is superb i absolutely love this this is just what i needed this at this time of year like it's yeah, just i agree smashing brilliant really really good so it's called fear fear by working men's club it did come out two weeks ago so we we're a little bit slow on the uptake there apologies for that but it is absolutely wicked uh i just mentioned the prodigy now sam i went to see the prodigy at brixton academy twice last week so i went mm. on the thursday and then i went on the saturday um of the three nights they played they played the friday in between and um i basically went twice because uh, I bought tickets because I was like, I, I really want to see this. I can't remember what in, sort of inspired me to do it, but a few weeks ago I was like talking about the Prodigy, and I was like, they're going to be playing, and it's the first shows without Keith Flint, and it's the big sort of return, and I feel like I really need to see that. And so I bought tickets for a Saturday, and then Metal Hammer got hold of me and was like, do you want to go review the Prodigy? We've got you on the guest list for Thursday, and I was like, do you know what? Fuck it, like in for a penny, in for a pound, yeah. go twice. Um, and identical sets on both nights. Um, the Prodigy at Brixton Academy is... Just saying that makes me go, oh, legendary. Just fucking legendary. Like, the amount of times they've played that venue over the years, the number of mad gigs that they've had at Brixton, it feels like that is a venue that is synonymous with them as a band. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like they do Brixton a lot. That's like their 
second home they're like the kind of resident house band of brixton academy and so i feel like that was absolutely the right place to be seeing the prodigy brixton on both nights but particularly on the saturday night was so hot Mm. when i think of the hottest gigs i've ever been to i mean two really really stand out for me uh that would be the kind of gold and silver and that would be Will Haven at the Barfly, circa I think probably ninety ninety eight. They Ooh. played just before they played in August nineteen ninety eight, and they played the old Barfly in Camden, which held about sort of two hundred people, and about three hundred and fifty people turned up to see them <laughs> on one of the hottest days of the year. And I believe their old drummer, it wasn't Mitch who was their drumming out of their old drummer whose name I Wayne Morse, um, had to be carried off stage and put in an ambulance and had oxygen because he was so fucking hot and it was like absolutely insanely absurdly hot in there the other one was kill switching cage and hate breed at the garage which happened when um heavy fest kind of got cancelled uh in 2012 i want to say and they just arranged last minute they just arranged this gig at the garage and they started letting people in at like nine o'clock at night because neither of the bands had reached the venue yet uh, <laughs> because there was traffic and stuff and i think kill switching gates didn't come on till two in the morning but yeah. it was obviously absolutely packed and before they'd even come on you had people just stand in this fucking room for like three hours that is probably the hottest gig i've ever been to in my life but i reckon the prodigy the other day might have made the might get the bronze medal because it was fucking outrageously hot in brixton academy outrageously hot after that fucking the heat wave that we had mental fucking mental so i was sweat like dripping in sweat before they'd even come on and when they came on um you watching them walk on like it it really hit you i'm gonna sort of concentrate on the positive things first firstly they are the prodigy they are one of the greatest live bands in the history of music full stop you can put any band any band ever literally any band ever next to the prodigy and they will struggle like they will really really struggle to inspire the kind of chaos that the prodigy always inspire you had people like you know at one point on the saturday i had to go to the back and actually go out into the kind of corridor bit because it was so fucking hot and there were people either like lying on the floor dead or just fucking dancing in the like outworked by the merch stand right Mm. it was fucking nuts so from front to back people losing their shit completely losing their shit and the prodigy are one of the few bands who inspire that from clubs to festival stages to stadiums the world over like they are an unbelievable live band and when they pick a set list which reads breathe omen wild frontier light of the sky climatize with a warriors dance sample everybody in the place unbelievable can't believe like hearing shit from experience i was like oh my god because they just very very rarely play that kind of early ravey stuff so that was amazing voodoo people omen firestarter roadblocks their law no good start to dance poison get your fight on need someone smack my bitch up take me to the hospital invaders must die we live forever out of space <laughs> that is hitsville usa population hits population hits so loads of absolutely massive songs like that is a fucking bulletproof set list yep. and um yeah they were amazing they were basically did all the things that the prodigy usually do but 
I'm not going to sit here and pretend that A, it wasn't very, very different. Mm. B, could get quite emotional. Um, they did Firestarter. And I thought it was a beautiful, beautiful tribute to Keith, actually, because Maxim just stood on the drum riser to like to attention with his hands behind his his back and they played Firestarter and the late like obviously Prodigy laser show fucking lights going crazy amazing the laser kind of drew the outline of Keith's head and obviously you know one of the we said it when he you know sadly passed away like just one of the most recognizable figures in music mm. and so it's like well it's, it's Keith Flint and as they played Firestarter they didn't nobody sang there were no lyrics they just played the music of Firestarter and they played this kind of laser um version of him in the video so that fucking iconic Firestarter video they kind of had that projected with lasers above them as they were playing it and I never thought I'd go to a prodigy show and see people like openly crying Mm at a prodigy show but people were in tears i mean they let's say they open with breathe and people sing the prodigy's songs back to them mm. like obviously they do i have never heard people bawl out keith's lyrics like they did for breathe like it was almost like drowned the band out it was so loud wow like when they hit when they hit keith's bits and so I felt like that was sort of what we were there for. They never really, you know, they're not the sort of band to stop and make big addresses and everything. But I just thought that touch of doing Firestarter like that and having Maxim stand stock still. And then he just said, give it up for Mr. Flint. He's still here with us. Um, it was, you know, kind of lump in the throat territory mm. at the sort of band that you don't associate with, you know, sad things. I mean, the only thing I can kind of compare it to and, I think it was better than this actually, but Slipknot getting Paul Gray's boiler suit out, you know, in, you know, what was it? Sonosphere? Sonosphere 11. Uh, 11. 11. Yeah. 11. Yeah. Sonosphere 11. I think that that's maybe sort of partially comparable, but um, I, like for me, this is better really, but you don't expect to see people crying at a Slipknot show. You know, you don't expect people to see people kind of emotional in that way at a certain show, and you don't really expect to see it at the Prodigy, but they were. And, and you know, the, the Prodigy do not need... The, let me rephrase that. The Prodigy can carry on without Keith Flint. Mm. Liam Howler is the Prodigy. Liam yeah. Howler yeah. is the brains and the music and the ideas. And, you know, Liam Howler is the Prodigy. No doubt about it. And Maxim has always been you know the the lead guy up top you know he's always been really the the focal point really he's always been the person who kind of drives the whole show so you put those two things together and you add in you know like i say rob holiday and kieran pepper on guitar and kieran pepper on drums who both make them sound so much heavier live i think and you think well yeah you know like there's no reason why they can't carry on they can't continue but i'm not going to sit here and pretend like you looked at it and you didn't feel like something was missing because mm. you did. It, it, you know, it was noticeable that Keith wasn't there. It just was. And that's not to say that the Prodigy aren't still a fucking incredible, amazing live band. They absolutely are. They absolutely are. 
but they've definitely lost something it, it might only be you know i think you've said this before you, you can't forget what you already know and having seen the prodigy so many times with keith flint to now see them without keith flint i was going this is still incredible this is still brilliant like what a great band these songs are fucking amazing but you add in keith and it's just like jesus this is it's almost too much they're 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 a 10 out of 10 live band now rather than an 11 out of 10 live band mm. and you know like, fucking good luck to them like i hope i want them to carry on i hope they make more music i hope they continue touring they've just proven that they can do it and they're still fucking amazing and they would wipe the floor with 99% of the bands on planet earth live like they would absolutely wipe the floor with them but they do me they do miss keith they like they actually do miss keith um and i shouldn't really have been surprised that they do miss keith but yeah he just had that something a little bit different and a little bit special i think him and maxim together as a sort of this sort of yin and yang this pairing it, it just you now look at it and you go oh yeah that was so perfect wasn't it that was so perfect that chemistry and them on stage was just so amazing and um you kind of always knew it but you only really really properly realized it when it was gone so it was sad but they were fucking brilliant man like they were so brilliant and they they should i think they should continue because like i say like liam's the man you know and um yeah it was just great it, it was great it, it was really great i'm really glad that i saw it twice and how can you be, ever be disappointed with a prodigy show you just you just wouldn't be i don't think yeah quite i mean that's that it, it sounds like a, a beautiful tribute and as you say you don't really associate the prodigy with beauty um i i, I wish i could have been there like i i can't and i've never seen the prodigy before uh, and so it would be weird for my first one to be without keith but i mean that is inevitably what's going to happen when i see them he's not going to be there um it will be less weird for me than the people who have been seeing them for years because obviously you've all got that memory and you notice that absence. I mean, for me, I can only kind of em sympathise with it, but I can't empathise with it. Um, yeah, man, it sounds like an amazing night. And I know a few people who went and um, a friend of mine who works uh, down the road from where I work um, said that it is the most she's ever sweated and danced and screamed and shouted and cried in a single night. I mean, it just sounds like, just sounds incredible just incredible yeah man always always brilliant so yeah shout out the prodigy uh they're back um and they're you know they're they've still they've still got the thing they've still definitely got it um all right sam well look we're going to close the show now by going through just so people get a kind of vibe I'm sure we've just done this at the start really but <laughs> if people get a vibe of you and they can go away going thank you sam i know what your favourite 20 albums are now and I have a, 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 a proper understanding of you as a human being. Let's run down what you believe to be the best 20 albums ever. 20 to 1, Sam. We're going to go through them pretty quickly because we've already gone on nearly an hour and a half now. But um, 20 down to 1. Let's go. Let's kick it off. Number 20. What is it? Let's kick it off. Uh, number 20. A massively important album to me. I think it was the moment where I went from a music fan to a full-on obsessive. And it came surprisingly late in life because it's uh, it's Statues by Black Peaks. Oh, wow. Yeah. Fucking hell. I a great adore, album. 
adore it. I absolutely adore it. It means so much to me uh, in terms of turning me on to just like music is fully my life now. Like I was already well into it, but it was like, no, this is it. This is my my thing. This is what I'm always going to be almost kind of identified by is my music taste at this point. Um, and they were, they're so important to me as a band because, and this album in particular, because it was the first time where I felt like I was there for the beginning of something potentially very special. And they were, the, it was the first time it felt like this is my band and they're the band I ended up seeing the most uh, ever during their tenure. I've seen them, well, never see them again, unfortunately, but I've seen them 16 times. It's the most I've ever seen any band. And that was in a three-year period as well. Fucking Black Peaks, brilliant. Well, yeah, they're an amazing band. I mean, we have done the Black Peaks thing a lot on this podcast. Yeah. Me, yeah. Uh, on various, you know, whether it be a Metal Hammer or on the other thing. Um, like, yeah, I've spoken about Black Peaks a lot and I still... All that divides was great, right? It was fucking yeah, great. It was yeah. a brilliant, brilliant record. But I still think there is just something about statues. You're right. That is like, it did feel like that would be something where you go, well, that should have got on Mercury. Not, do you know what I mean? Like that's yeah, good enough definitely. artistically, sort of creatively. Every element of it, the production, like everybody's so on, like all four of those guys in that band at that point were mm. just in, like they were just so fucking on it. The drums sound fucking incredible. Those riffs, are like so, you know, Joe is such a brilliant guitarist, and um, and it was Andrew at the time playing bass. I think some of those bass yeah, lines yeah. really like thump so hard, and then Will, yeah, I mean Will Gardner, like yeah, it's impressive to stand out that hard in a band full of. Well, actually no, because that sounds like I'm doing a disservice to the others, but it's like the fact that Will Gardner can stand against Joe Gosney's guitar. You know, Joe Gosney, a kind of brent hines from britain kind of amazing player absolute guitar hero and yet will gardner comes out and he's he's the one isn't he like that you that you really remember like say you will savior etc his performance just yeah will was the the moment when i was i it was, it was the sort of element that made me go well this is absolutely fucking nuts this yeah. band are fucking nuts yeah. like and it was great but yeah yeah very very good picks that's number 20 number 19 sam uh, so I will just say uh, I'm okay. going to do a I'm going to do a little playlist for people who may not who may just want to listen to the playlist. I'm going to choose two songs per album. Mm-hmm. So the two that I think are you know my first and second choices from Black Peaks uh, would be Savior and White Eyes. Feel free to write them down at home, or you can just wait for me to post the link on Twitter. We'll or whatever, we'll, so. we'll share the link to your playlist on our on our uh, socials, Sam. Don't worry about go that. on then. So, yeah, Cheers, go on, mate. Then. Number nineteen. Uh, number nineteen. Uh, the newest entry. Um, uh, an album that has totally uh, upended my worldview about music. I never thought I'd like indie or spoken word, <laughs> but uh, Arabs Trap as Days Get Dark. Best ever, 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 ever. Yeah. Wow. I fucking adore this album. I think the lyrics on it are just, it's just, it is absolute poetry and it's funny and it's heartbreaking and you can, you can dance to it. You know, you can standing kind of quiet contemplation if you like if you like the kind of more post-rocky end of what they do but i just think everything about this album uh and maybe part of it's the time it came out um it just it just ticks all the boxes for me i think aiden moffat and malcolm middleton but especially aiden moffat is just such an artistic force that has totally blindsided me and i'd never i'd never even heard of arab strap until last year when i saw uh your friend, uh, Joe Nan was raving about one of the singles and saying, I can't wait mm. for that album. And I decided on a whim, I was like, well, he's got good music taste, even if he thinks Hate Breed are better than the Beatles. But uh, I'll I'll throw my hat in to review that for the website I was writing for at the time. And it just, halfway through my first listen, when it gets to Kebabalon, J- 
just floored me and i was sitting in my room listening to this album for the first time and by the time you get to tears on tour are uh, just genuinely bawling uh I, I fucking i fucking love it and you know this is just over one year on and it's already my 19th favorite like i, I dread to think how high this is gonna get in future it's a great record it's a fucking yeah. great record i've not listened to it for a little while actually but yeah the kind of the 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 majesty of that is the poetry yeah. of the lyrics and what this i mean tears on tour just as you said it i was like oh yeah fuck me like what a fucking heartbreaking mm. brilliant song and it you said about red Hot chili peppers being kind of mawkish earlier and arab strap like it's a really difficult skill to completely avoid all of that shit and make everything seem very matter of fact but still really heartbreaking and very moving and very kind of emotionally stirring and i think that is the real real strength of that record is that, that it yeah. manages to do that without really kind of looking like it's trying to do that um yeah, yeah brilliant it's a brilliant record fucking brilliant what two tracks will you pick for the playlist uh so again first uh, favorite and second favorite uh fable of the urban fox and kebabalon would be my picks from the album fable of the urban fox is my favorite yeah fucking yeah it's great my song. favorite it yeah, just wicked the build on that is just beautiful Mm. Um, yeah. all right good number uh, number 18 uh a more classic pick in relative terms uh released on march the 24th 2009 so i was just about to turn 15 uh crack the sky by mastodon Ooh, you've gone for crack the sky yeah i have gone for crack the sky. yeah i mean again a band that we've spoken about in this podcast a lot mastodon um i'm a big fan of crack the sky i'm not sure where i to rank my Mastodon albums, I'm not sure where I probably would have it second, I think. Second to Leviathan, I would imagine. Yeah. I think yeah, we, I, I would have it in reverse order. I would have Leviathan second to Crack the Sky. And to be fair, on a given day, that can change. There's Well, there's a chance of it changing, but Crack the Sky, um, again, I mean, looking at uh, the, this kind of duo of Arab Strap and Mastodon, <laughs> a strange bedfellows, but um, Crack the Sky is just such a profoundly emotional album. You know, when you listen to the title track, which for those who don't know, is um, it's about Bram Daler's twin sister who uh, took her own life when they were 14, I believe. And Bram's clean vocals on that in the chorus, um, utterly just captivating and heartbreaking. But it's it's Scott Kelly bringing that anguish to that song. Like when he's screaming, Mama, don't let them take her, don't let them take her down, uh, into please tell Lucifer he can't have this one. Her spirit's too strong. It's just, it's just beautiful. Um, it, it, uh, but the whole album is amazing and it flows so well uh, and for a kind of prog odyssey epic that's about Rasputin and about space time um, I, I yeah it's, it is my favourite Mastodon album and actually I've just convinced myself that there is never going to be a day that Leviathan takes it for me I just think it's everything that I love about Mastodon it's got the weird kind of prog it's got little elements of sludge obviously it's not it's not remission it's not leviathan it's not even blood mountain um and it was the most extreme i think they went with their kind of progressive tendencies um which funnily enough i think does lead quite well into the next entry but what what's your take on crack the sky as an album i love crack the sky i mean i've said this a bunch of times before it took me a fucking long time to get into mm. crack the sky I mean, I'm talking years, yeah. about three years. And that's why when I think like Hushed and Grim, I still, I, you know, when we reviewed it, I was a bit like, it didn't really grab me. But then at the same time, I was like, well, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. 
we've been here before haven't we we've been here before with mastodon with a record that everyone's raving about and i'm just like i'm not really sure and so i am still not really prepared to paint my colors to the mast and hushed and grim but i am with crack the sky which i think is absolutely fucking phenomenal mm. it's been a long time since i've listened to it it feels like one of those records a bit like kind of you know i, I very i think i've said again i've said before like i very rarely put on lateralis by tool mm. because it's like well this is a treat and you need to listen to the whole thing you need to sit down and go i ain't doing anything else this will take up my entire focus for the next you know hour and a bit or whatever and i do feel like that about crack the sky i think maybe that was often you know the way that i was listening to it might have been not been quite the right way to be listening to it mm. and so it's been a while since i've listened to the record in full but undoubtedly um yeah an incredible achievement yeah a, an incredible piece of artistry and when you mentioned you know kind of how personal it is but also how conceptually weird it is with the rasputin thing and i, I mean there's not many bands who would be capable of even putting that together as an idea, yeah. let alone pulling yeah, it off yeah. in the way Mastodon put it off. So, yes, it's a fucking great record. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my my two picks from that would be uh, the last Baron, which is my favourite Mastodon track. Full stop. Uh, they opened their Emperor of Sand tour with it, and I was in Rock City, and mm. they they opened with the last Baron, and there were me and about five other people down the front who were just like oh my god oh my god i didn't think they'd ever do this song not on the crack the sky tour i've got the opening lyrics to the last baron tattooed on my right arm i yeah fucking love it which is not to diminish crack the sky which would be my second pick the title track of the album uh fucking brilliant fucking brilliant yeah 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 very very good record um go on then what have we got after after that you number 17 so a band's reaching the kind of extremity uh the extreme end of their progressive leanings it's uh it's and justice for all by metallica nice yeah which actually this is one where on a given day it could be something else uh and i'll be honest that it could be load depending on the day but <laughs> yeah i think loads now my second favorite tag yeah it is and mine this, it and is this mine. would be my favorite yeah yeah i completely agree um yeah and justice for all i mean i feel like there's not loads that i can actually say on this one you know it's an album that's been poured over and talked about for years and years and years and years and years um because it is one of the best albums ever you know it's from that original i mean if you're being harsh and you think metallica sold out on the black album it's part of the the four album run that basically kind of i don't know defined heavy metal like outside of sabbath basically um yeah and just for all brilliant uh not a weak moment on it uh obviously you've got one one of the biggest best metal songs ever only only overshadowed by stuff metallica would go on to do later in their career in terms of kind of gravity and impact um i mean there's so much to love about this uh i mean this is one way you know anyone who's listening to this show is going to have heard it so i probably don't need to wax too lyrical about it but uh i will give you my controversial opinion on and justice for all oh go on then i think of the first five metallica albums i think blackened is my least favorite opening track bloody hell that is controversial and like, i'm not saying i don't like it because and justice for all is my favorite but i think about it Hit the lights, fight fire with fire, battery especially. I mean, battery for a long time was my favourite Metallica song. And then Enter Sandman, I, I probably would take them all over Blackened. I mean, not that I want to lose it, but yeah. That's 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 my hot take on Justice for All. That is a steaming hot take, sir. Mm. Fucking fight fire with fire over Blackened? Nah. And, <laughs> I mean, and actually, to be honest, like Enter Sandman, yeah, it's an absolute tune. It's a banger. It's massive. 
It's not better than Blackened. I'm not having that. It's not better than Blackened. The only the only one Hit the Lights is amazing, yeah. but still, the only one I'm even gonna I would even slightly concede to would be Battery. You're mental. Yeah, but listen, yeah. and but look, Metallica were fucking like unstoppable back back in those days and i've got the chat list in the van justice for all up in front of me just because i wanted to like look at it blackened the title track i to behold a one shortest straw harvester of sorrow frayed into sanity to live is to die die as eve i mean that is absolutely mad perfect that is a mad like sometimes i you know when you just look at an album and you you sort of read in front of you and you go well i've heard this a million times before but to actually sort of look at it and go oh yeah <laughs> look at that there's not a single fucking second on that record that isn't just fucking Perfect. brilliant yeah yeah it's so great what a record that is yeah. unbelievable that is my favorite metallica album yeah, yeah definitely today i'm 100 with you yeah. mm, okay fine yeah it's been mine for a while now and looking at it now I just yeah i don't think i'm going to change it anytime soon what two songs obviously blackened's not going to be one of them gutted, <laughs> but what two songs you pick for the uh the playlist so i will say i think from this entry it becomes really really difficult to choose just two but i have gone mm-hmm. with my gut i've gone with dyer's eve and one okay cool i mean one is so inescapably yeah iconic and perfect and yeah yeah you know like i would i mean dyer's eve is fucking oh just fucking goes fucking so hard doesn't doesn't it? kick my own yeah. dick clean off my shoulders <laughs> kick my dick off my shoulders i just said yeah Keep that in. Keep that in. <laughs> Definitely keep that in. Keep all the worst <laughs> stuff in. We'll cut out all the kind yeah. of interesting shit that we've been sort of articulate, thought out stuff that we have to say about these albums. Just keeping the, the nonsense. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> all right. So we are up to number 16, I believe. Yes. So an album that won't make you want to kick your dick off your shoulders. Uh, it's Closer by Joy Division. Ah, oh, lovely stuff. Yeah. I lovely mean, Joy Division. stuff hard to really separate the two albums i would just about plump for closer unknown pleasures could have definitely taken this position as well um yeah i mean again again a bit like metallica i don't know that there's loads that i can really add to the discourse of closer by joy division mm-hmm. um and if you if you want the deep dive into it obviously your good self and renfrey did a classic album on the two joy division uh records so yes. go and check that out um I mean, it was officially yeah, closer. was closer. It officially, as a classic album, it was closer. But we basically did do Unknown Pleasures um, yeah. alongside it. Because, yeah, I think, like, for me, Closer is clearly the better record of the two. I, th- I Like, for me personally, I think it's clearly the better record of the two. Although I okay. can see how I think Unknown Pleasures, I probably did say this in the special, Unknown Pleasures is the more groundbreaking of the two. Yeah, yeah. Um but I do think song for song, I mean, again, I've got the the, the track listing up in front of me. Atrocity Exhibition, Isolation, Passover, Colony. Colony's fucking incredible. Yeah. Means to an end, heart and soul, 24 hours, eternal, decades. I mean, that end three as well, just fucking unbelievable. Yeah, great record. Just, yeah. yeah, absolutely beautiful. Um, Joy Division, the one band that my dad has got me into. I think I talk, I've talked a fair bit about my mum getting me into music. My dad's got, dreadful weird taste he likes three bands basically and then his fourth favorite band is whatever i've told him to listen to that week uh but joy division are his favorite band uh closely followed by captain beefheart who will not be appearing in this list but uh, (laughs) but, uh yeah joy division absolutely uh love him again a really formative thing for me and i think close does just pip it for me you know i i think there's less of a separation than you do um 
but it's just it's just that little bit darker and a bit more experimental and just just really it just does it for me ever so slightly more than unknown pleasures but joy division you know one of the greatest bands ever yeah amazing record uh what two songs did you pick as your playlist pair i've actually gone for the opening two so atrocity exhibition and isolation okay yeah but as i say like from from here on out it's it's getting harder and harder to yeah that that is really difficult i mean i think atrocity exhibition is um is a great pick and i I mean i love isolation i think because Mm. i heard the therapy version first i think we said this on the thing like i find it quite hard to separate which is my favorite of those two i'm not saying the therapy version is better for any of you kind of hardened um factory records uh (laughs) obsessives out there but i because i heard it first and you know it's just heavier guitars in it so um Mm. i do but i like both of them i think maybe that makes me go oh i probably would have picked some i I think i yeah i might have picked the eternal or colony as my other one but it's not my pick sam so don't worry about it you crack on you pick what you want to pick uh that's great yeah what a good what a good album um what's your number 15 um trepidatious about bringing this one in uh because i think you're gonna think it's far too low scandalously so um but an album from the year I was born, it is The Holy Bible by Manic Street Preachers. Okay. I mean, look, it's in the top 20, so it's got to be pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's next to Joy Division, which makes quite a lot of sense to me as well. And I can't believe you were born that year. That's absolutely fucking nuts. Um, yeah. But well done. Good. You know, good Good for you for being having a whole life ahead of you. Um, <laughs> yeah, mate, go on. I mean, God, I've spoken about this record so fucking much. No one needs to hear what I think about it. You have, and you always do it so eruditely, and it's actually because of your insistence that this is one of the best albums ever that I finally got around to checking it out, and, well, you were right, weren't you? Obviously. Yeah. So, um, yeah, naturally, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, some of, the darkest, some of the darkest lyrics ever penned, ever put to record. Um, it's just an artistic tour de force. Um, James Dean Bradfield's delivery of Richie Edwards' lyrics, um, you know, turning what could be... I don't know, it could be on, uh, well, I was going to say it could be on like a really heavy metal record, but I don't think a metal record, by and large, would actually deign to be so artistically kind of simultaneously vague and obtuse and clear and kind of shrouded in mystery. Um, I mean, it's just, I don't think I can properly do justice to this album in the way that you do, but it is just utterly unbelievable and the songs at the end of the day the songs are fucking brilliant you know you listen to yes or faster and they just they are just (laughs) enjoyable listens until you actually pay attention to the lyrics Mm. um perfect yeah yeah i i'm not going to talk about this anymore because i have spoken about it a lot but i agree with everything you've just said uh two tracks from this this would be interesting because i very much doubt any two people that pick two tracks on this record have the same two but no go on um if white America told the truth for one day, its world would fall apart and faster. Faster is such a big. I think that's the big song on the album, really, isn't it? It is. So yeah, I it's, think it's the single. Yeah. That makes that makes a lot of sense. White America. That's an interesting choice. I mean, that would mm. be not that I don't think it's fucking brilliant, but that would probably be quite low down on my where uh, I to pick I, two from it. If I had to do a playlist, I think don't think that would. Well, no, it wouldn't make it. There are, I mean, there's there's sort of four or five in my head immediately, which I'll save. Uh, that I'm like, oh, well, that would definitely be ahead of that. Da, da, da. But there's nothing on that record that I don't think isn't basically perfect. So again, yeah, yeah. There's, there's not a second that could do with trimming off it. No, is there? Not at no. all. No. So, right, number fourteen. 
follow that yeah <laughs> um I would like to stress at this point that this list is purely subjective and it is, based it, is. On my en- it is based on my enjoyment, not objective, artistic kind of value or worth or anything. And so it is with that in mind that I tell you my 14th favourite album of all time is Toxicity by System of a Down. Oh, wow. That's a fucking brilliant record. It is. Is it better, quote unquote, than the Holy Bible? I don't know, but I certainly enjoy it more. I think more people probably think it is than don't, to be honest. Yeah. It, it's a fair point i mean system for me just yeah kind of just such a weird mishmash of disparate ideas that works so well and again you know with toxicity like like let's be honest with every album on this list just not a weak moment on it um from the opening done of prison song right to the very oh, end sorry. of aerials just oh mate um and I've got a weird relationship with System these days in that uh, I've only seen them twice and both times were headlining Download um, and both times were with my my best mate uh, mentioned uh, earlier in the show in regards to Yard Act, uh, Solo, who introduced me to System of a Down and they were a real kind of wake-up call for me when I was stuck listening to Anthrax and stuff like that and like didn't realise there was good music in the world. Anthrax um, are good. Like, let's not fucking shit on Anthrax. Like, uh, the, the Belladonna era is what yeah, I mean. Okay, I'm, fine, uh, yeah. I mean, those songs are still good. It's just fucking Belladonna like going... Ugh over them but yeah go on i just hate anthrax these days but anyway um yeah we went to see them at download 2011 which i know has kind of historically gone down as quite a poor performance but we had the best time we had the best time we were sit- uh yeah just turned 17 we would have been then um in fact solo i think turned 17 that day so that was like his birthday present was getting to see system for the first time and it's the longest sustained time i've ever spent just shouting every word to a band to the point where these days i can't actually do very high notes i properly blew out my voice that night (laughs) just shouting at system of a down just going this is the best thing that's ever happened did you do Um, the kind of fun of the day of the day so when they come coming close to their shots yeah that that bit yeah yeah. fucking that would do oh naturally yeah yeah um but then unfortunately saw them in 2017 when they were embarrassing so i have a funny relationship they with were them, but fucking rubbish then weren't they i mean i didn't think they awful. were very good in, again you can't forget whereas the prodigy yeah. are still amazing live even with or without keith flint system of a down were so good back in the day and i mean again i've only seen them at download and i've heard people say oh they're great at reading they're great at wembley They've been fucking rubbish every time that I've seen them since yeah. they've come back. It's a real shame. Yeah, I mean, I think the 2011 show, you know, it has historically gone down as quite a poor one. But it's like, for me at that time, it was just, yeah, a religious experience. And so Toxicity's forever going to have a, a place in this list. Uh, probably always going to stay in the top 20. Might shift around a bit. Probably get lower as I get more familiar with some of the albums on here that I already adore. But yeah, yeah. Toxicity by system. Great record. What two songs are you going to pick from it? This will be interesting. Yeah, this is interesting. Um, I've gone for the title track and prison song. Okay, cool. Yeah, okay. So a big single and that fucking amazing opener. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I was going to go Toxicity and Chop Suey. It's like, but to be honest, like, I don't know. I I, I think... Everyone's heard those two songs, haven't they? Exactly, yeah. It's fine. Yeah, precisely. So, yeah. Um, The next one we can uh, definitely kind of skip over because i've already done my entire piece on this album it's mccluskey do dallas by mccluskey yeah now we did if uh, you want to go to patreon.com forward slash right podcast we did do 
an entire writer's review last week on McCluskey Do Dallas where we spoke about it at length. So you can sign up for only a quid. Just give us a quid for a month and then you can listen to what Sam thinks about it and what I think about it as well. Uh, or we can just briefly kind of touch on it here. But this is kind of what inspired this whole thing because you said during that podcast it was my 13th favourite album. And then I was intrigued that you had this list. Mm-hmm. And then here we are doing the list. But yes, McCluskey Do Dallas, hilarious, acerbic, weird, noise rock, which should really have come out 10 years earlier or 10 years after and has weirdly found uh, a brand new younger audience of people who finally appreciate it for the genius that it is that's my thoughts on it broadly speaking if you want to hear that stretched out over an hour like i say go to our patreon page but sam um just give everyone a little brief overview again i mean you've absolutely hit the nail on the head it's a weird kind of idiosyncratic noise rock record that's as obsessed with pop as it is with kind of poking fun at everything that was going on around it in in musical culture and well just in general culture like it's just, it doesn't give two shits it comes in makes you laugh <laughs> conjures up some weird imagery like eat what you want when you're falling apart when you open a can of worms and the guns in my hand and i know it's bad but believe me i'm innocent it's like a bizarre kind of crime caper to open your album but i'm not really sure that that's actually what it's about just yeah fucking brilliant um falco you know i've got some lyricists in here you know i've already talked about aiden moffat ian curtis there's some coming up later mark put- hoppus <laughs> how dare you how dare you <laughs> how dare you i mean maybe maybe david vincent just for radical but maybe <laughs> yeah. um but yeah falco uh i would definitely put in my favorite lyricist for a completely different thing uh you know he, he doesn't do the kind of grand sweeping poetry that really stirs my emotions and leaves me pensive and kind of flabbergasted but you know they're playing at art tangent and i can assure you that i will be down the front screaming at them much to uh Falco and Damien, who is now in the band, Damien Seller, the St. Pierre's Snake Invasion. Much to their chagrin, I'll be down there acting like a bloody loon. Great. Good. Right. Two songs from that album. Again, a hard one. Uh, I've gone with Alan is a Cowboy Killer and To Hell with Good Intentions. Yeah, it's good picks. Yeah. It's good picks. Um, avoiding the old observe and report lightsaber <laughs> cocksucking blues, I noticed, but that's fine. Uh, so what are we down to now? Number 12? Number is this? 12, yes. Now, I know, I know, you're going to struggle to believe that there are 11 albums better than this one. I think you already know, if you remember from the McCluskey special. I do, yeah. Yeah, this is, this is as far as I'm aware, still Steve's favourite album of all time. This is At The Drive-In's Relationship of Command. I think it is my fa- yeah. Do you know? Well, do you know? I was listening to Outcome the Walls a lot recently because yeah. I was doing the worst of best of Rancid, and I was like, "How can I like anything more than this?" So maybe it's Outcome the Walls. I don't know, but th- this would be, in terms of like the best and the one I like the most, and probably the album that I've listened to the most in my life. There was a period when this came out from like two thousand to about two thousand and seven, two thousand eight. Where I literally listen to this album every single day, every yeah. day, yeah. for fucking years and years and years. It is so good. But anyway, um, it's not my pick, is it? So, you know, <laughs> you go, Sam. You tell the people why it's here. Um, it's you know, it's incredible. One one of the best post hardcore albums ever. Um, quite possibly the best. I mean, see where you place my next pick in terms of genre. But uh, you know, I'd say it's it's certainly at the very least, the second best thing that's ever come out of that genre. And, you know, the interplay between all the bands, that, that uh, all the bands, all the members of the band, that push and pull, particularly between, you know, the Afros and, well, basically the rest of the band, kind of that, uh, the punk versus kind of 
avant-garde ethos that that gives you songs like fucking Arc Arsenal and One Arm Scissor and Enfilade and oh, just everything. Um, Cedric's performance in particular, I forgot how much I absolutely loved it until I stuck it on yesterday just to be like, oh, it's, it's definitely number 12. Yeah, definitely number 12. And then you get, you know, that, I must have read a thousand faces on the first song. It's like, fuck me. Like, yeah. From here on out, I mean, it becomes... I'd say basically from here on out, almost all of these could be number one. But as it stands today, there there are eleven albums I prefer to this, for personal right, reasons, okay. um, you know, and pure subjectivity, just pure enjoyment. So, hmm. two tracks from Relationship of Command. Fucking <laughs> impossible, frankly. But go on, pick F- two. Fucking impossible. But I have settled on Enfilade and Arc Arsenal. Okay, yeah. I mean, I can't argue with that. Enfilade would probably if i was picking two i reckon it would be enfilade and ooh, cosmonaut oh okay um invalid litter department oh it's yeah. too hard i don't know i'm glad hard. i had i don't have to so i'm not going to <laughs> yeah. um all right sweet number 11 so this is why i say i'm not 100 percent sure that uh relationship of command is the best post hardcore album because if we're counting this as post-hardcore, which I think is a bit of a stretch, then the best post-hardcore album for my money is The Argument by Fugazi. Absolutely count that as um, as post-hardcore, yeah. Cool. Absolutely. I think they, they are that band. They kind of, if not in completely invented it, I think they definitely defined it. I did see Simon Young, shout out Simon, I don't know if you listened to this actually but simon did a worst to best on louder of fugazi and he put the argument at number one which is where i would put the argument in their back catalog as well and a lot of older people were going are you mad this is insanity how can this be their first ep margin walker was the best thing they ever put it's like absolutely like you sad old punks you silly small-minded sad old punks the argument is the best fugazi album of course it is it is It, it definitely is um i just think you know Fugazi is a difficult one to pick a favorite album, really, like because they are they're probably the band with the most perfect discography that certainly I've ever listened to. There's not a second across their oeuvre that I don't love. But the argument, I think what it represents, that kind of fuck you attitude, we're not going to make music for you to mosh to because actually we don't want you doing that. Uh, so we're just going to make something totally off the wall that we absolutely love. And, you know, there are bits where you can mosh to it and everything, you know, it's still a punk album through and through because... I mean, Discord Records, it's just, it's the ethos that Ian Mackay's made his name on. And I think he's, he's really, he's changed that a lot as well um, through his work in Minor Threat and through Fugazi. Uh, but it's not to, you know, dismiss the contributions of any other, uh, any of the other members. I think the one for me, I think the, the absolute star of Fugazi, who I don't think, you know, he gets credit, but he doesn't quite get enough, but it's uh, Joe Lally's bass. It's just Yeah, amazing. I mean, like huge huge influence on flea from the red hot chili peppers yeah so you know it's not all good news but <laughs> um yeah yeah he's 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 fucking brilliant yeah i mean the whole band again are brilliant that rhythm section are incredible i think what ian does in fugazi is keep it like real yeah. punk yeah. like keep it kind of proper like it sort of roots everything in punk but i think kind of gi picchiotto his again that kind of yin and yang that two singer thing and the way that Fugazi do it, I think they do that kind of dual vocalist thing better than anyone, yeah, really. Yeah. Really better and, than anyone. I mean, again, I was going to say, like, it's funny because 
the sort of Darren Surge thing in System of a Down is a completely different thing, really. But that is so important to them. And mm. I think that's also so important for guys. And I think when you get an album like this, where it can be a bit more minimalist, a bit more subtle, yeah. you know, some of the songs are a bit slower, but then occasionally when they do kind of ratchet it up a bit, I think Mackay makes it sound very much of that early Washington DC hardcore thing. And I think that's the fucking genius of this record. That's the, like we haven't really ever, I've never properly gone into the argument and sort of spoken about it. Um, like we haven't done it. It'll probably be a classic album one day. And I've mentioned them a lot, Fugazi, obviously. And you're right. I think their discography is absolutely fucking perfect. Perfect. Mm. But the argument for me is the best one because I think it is the most dynamically interesting record that they've ever done. Yeah, and even within just songs on their own. I mean, obviously you're saying, you know, uh, rightly, that uh, Mackay's the one who kind of brings that real punk ethos to it. Uh, or, uh, not even ethos, but just feel. Keeps it grounded, as you say. You've then got the flight of fancy of something like um, Full Disclosure with Guy Picciotto just going absolutely ballistic in the verses and then into this just wonderful melodic chorus. Um, yeah, the argument mm. in it, it's the one for me. And it's a, fucking it's a hard pick, but it's the one. Two from that. Yeah. Um, I've ended up going for two uh, Ian tracks. Um, I have gone for Cash Out and Epic Problem. I think Cash Out, Punk with Cellos, when they come in, it's just, it's like the apocalypse. I Yeah, just amazing. Um, yeah, those would be my two picks. That's an amazing yeah. song. Epic Problem is fucking yeah. brilliant yeah. as well fucking brilliant i'm looking at it and i'm like oh you know O would be yeah. in there for me you mentioned full disclosure which i think is fucking amazing as well the title track's just so great um expectator is fucking mm. brilliant like yeah it, it's all good it's all good but um yeah good picks so we're in the top 10 now sam what's number Ooh. 10 so number 10 uh an interesting one uh in that it was until yesterday actually a different album by this artist um really yeah uh, and i a-bead them because it was always tight between them but i a-bead them and i was like no you know what today gonna go with scary monsters and super creeps by david bowie oh mm. wow what did it knock out it's gonna sound ludicrous it actually knocked out low did it really yeah I would say they are my top two and it's a knife fight between them. I mean, to be honest, by the time we finish recording, it might be back to being low. And then by the time this gets published, it'll be back to Scary Monsters. But um, Scary Monsters for me, it's kind of, it's such a weird album. It's just odd and I love it. And it is kind of that demented circus fair. And David Bowie acts as the kind of weird cockney scoundrel with his kind of faux accent on Scary Monsters, the title track. Um, it's a bizarre one, but... My God, I mean, I, I wanted to have, well, I was going to have a David Bowie pick in here, and today, yeah, Scary Monster's the one. It's just, it's weird, and I like weird. Mm, mad that you'd, like, I mean, because when you said that, it's weird, because, again, I was listening to Six Music the other day, and Craig Charles was doing, um, uh, was it, a, uh, it was, um, he said that he thought that as much as he loved Ziggy Stardust, he actually thought that um it wasn't low was it It was hunky dory he thought was better that's ah, it okay. yeah and you'd be like oh okay yeah so he, he was doing kind of they did a kind of they ate the kind of a bead ziggy stardust and hunky dory and i was like oh, this is really interesting and then i was thinking well you know you're not even mentioning heroes or station to station or low never in my mind 
did all even like let's dance never mm. in my mind did i even consider scary monsters and then i've just got the track listing up now and you look at you know it's got the title track ashes to ashes fashion yeah teenage wildlife i think was like actually that wasn't a single was it but no, um yeah. it was just those three that you mentioned before yeah 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 yeah. but those are three massive fucking songs mm. in his career and i mean looking at because you're young fucking hell like scream like a baby like there's some fucking great songs on it i've not listened to this record for i mean l- literally decades mm. plural decades right i've not listened to it for fucking ages and i'm now looking at it and i'm going oh yeah yeah because yeah. you know my my mum like most sort of young people young women growing up in the 70s my mum fucking loved david bowie yeah. so we had every single david bowie album and i feel like these songs are kind of have have just uh sort of subconsciously been like inserted into my subliminal conscious somewhere yeah, yeah. uh and looking at the track list now i'm like hey, this album's fucking great and i i never think about it never ever think about it to be honest but yeah this is a really there's a few that i can't really remember on it but broadly speaking this looks like a fucking great record i mean is it the best bowie album the best Ooh, yeah i mean again it's, it's a, a tough, tough one. one it's a tough one Mm. but it's where i land at present i i would just plump for scary monsters over low and to be honest actually i've been revisiting black star recently for the first time I, last time i listened to black star was the day that david bowie died and yeah. since then i've become much more uh interested in kind of the avant-garde world so actually black stars coming up to number three at the moment and again i, I would actually say this top three on a given day they could be the top one for me so mm. yeah i'm looking at the track listing for low now as well yeah that is fucking good, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, breaking glass, you know, speed of breaking speed glass. of light, um, sound mm. of vision, obviously, like yeah, 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 it's good. Two cracking albums. Well, how do you pronounce what? I could never Wajawa. Yeah, Wajika. You know, what? I'm not Wajik. sure. I always just say Warsaw. So Warsaw, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Anyway, fucking, he was good, wasn't he, David Bowie? Very good. He's all right. Two songs from that record, Sam. What are you picking? Uh, I would go for the title track, and I would go for Ashes to Ashes. Yeah, makes I think sense. they're all they're right. the, they're the clear picks on that album. Yeah, fine. So number nine, we're up to number nine now. Uh, the album that came out on my first birthday. It's well, fuck me. You're gonna make me feel really fucking old now, aren't you? But go on. It's King for a Day, Fool for a Lifetime by Faith No More. The best Faith No More album, The best yes. Faith No More album, yes, it is, indeed. Um, the most dynamic, the most daring, and the best executed that they ever did anything. And, you know, again, Faith No More, certainly in the pattern era, you know, all of them, superb. And that's not to, you know, diss Chuck Mosley. I really like those first two records as well. But, you know, Mike Patton, for me, is the greatest vocalist that has ever lived. And he was supported by one of the greatest bands of all time in Faith No More. Well, not even supported by, he was a part of one of the greatest bands of all time. And, you know, particularly the rhythm section, Billy Gold and and Puffy, you know, Mike Borden, fantastic. Um, yeah, uh, I always used to think, like, oh, as, as I've got older, it's like, which is my favourite Faith No More? Because I know Faith No More are one of my favourite bands. And it's like, well, which one would I choose? And it's like, well, you know, obviously started with the real thing because it's got epic on it. And then I was like, oh, no, Angel Dust is the one. And then I got to King for a Day. And I thought, ah, no, there's so much going on here. So much. I can listen to this album a billion times and I'll still pick out something new every single time. Um, and I think, um, broadly speaking, because of my adoration for Mike Patton, I do think it is 
his greatest set of performances. I think there are individual performances on other albums. Ashes to Ashes comes to mind from um, Album of the Year. And then something like Matador off Sol Invictus. I think there are singular performances that maybe outshine the very best of this, but I think as a cohesive piece, this is Faith No More at their best and Mike Patton at his best with that band. I mean, you'll get absolutely no arguments from me at all. Faith No More are, as I've said a few times before, the silver medal for my favourite band ever. No matter who's number one, I always say Faith No More remain at number two. And this is an amazing record for a lot of reasons. One of them, I think, being the fact that they'd lost Big Jim Martin, who was considered such an integral part of the band. You know, people fucking loved Jim Martin. They loved those riffs and they loved that unit that Faith No More were. And... They didn't even replace him on this record. They didn't really actually officially get a a full-time guitarist in until John Hudson came in for Album of the Year. Mm. And for a band to kind of lose what a lot of people think is a kind of focal point and an essential part of your band and to, to do something so fucking mad, like, you know, at the time. So this was, this was the album that people were listening to in my school when I first became aware of Faith No More. So I'd obviously heard Epic and Easy and all those things, but it was one of those, like, I'm not really aware of them as a band until this record came out and people were wearing Faith No More t-shirts and carrying this CD around and putting them in their little discman and stuff. And they were all a little bit like, yeah, it's a new Faith No More, not really sure, don't really know what this is, like, blah, 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 that kind of thing. Years later, now you look at it and you go, all of those things that weirded us out are the exact reasons why this is the best Faith No More album. Yeah, and it does everything that Faith No More do so well, mm-hmm. whether it is, you know, the the smack in the face of Get Out or the kind of like madcap of Cuckoo for Cucker or something like Evidence or obviously Just a Man, you know, beautiful, beautiful songs. Um, you know, Patton recreating the sound of a gospel choir basically single handedly for that song. It's just yes, um staggeringly staggering brilliant. Yeah, they are they are one of the best bands of all time, naturally. Really hence are. why they're included in this list. Mm. Two songs from that album, Sam. <laughs> you can't uh, sum this album up with two songs, though. No, I can't, and I haven't tried to. I've just gone for just my two picks, which would be Just a Man and Evidence, which I don't think fully Fucking reflects bangers. the album, no. but they're bangers, yeah. bangers in it. So, yeah. Right, what's number eight? You're going to like this one. This is uh, another new entry, to be honest. Uh, this is uh, Dose Your Dreams by Fucked Up. Go on, lad. Thank God. I'm not the only person who thinks this album is fucking unbelievable. So it's funny. I listened to this album when it came out um, because I'd heard the name bandied about. I can't remember quite where I first heard it fucked up. I was like, I was kind of aware that they were a band, basically. That was kind of the extent of it. And I heard a review on a podcast saying, "Uh, you know, it's all right. And I was like, what? Am I going mental? Is this not like the best thing I've one of the best things i've ever heard ever and then i heard your review and i was like oh thank god thank god i'm not insane this is just um similar to faith no more i think it's just such a broad dynamic album that kind of does everything that fucked up had ever done and uh, goes in some weird new territories for them i mean particularly the one two of mechanical bull and accelerate where it goes a little bit more industrial after the kind of operatic punk suite of something like none of your business man um and, you know, you've got absolute belters like Razy Voice Joyce. You've got 
normal people. I mean, again, you know, as with every album in this list, I could just I could just read you the track list and just say, yeah, brilliant, 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 brilliant. And the fact that it can sustain that for as long as it does, a double album, you know, it's 88 minutes and I never get tired of it. And I think one of its strengths is that it works as a complete piece. So you can sit down and listen to all 88 minutes at a time. But it's also kind of got a natural chapter structure to it. So you could almost listen to it as a collection of EPs. So you don't have to, if you think, oh, I really want to listen to Dosey Dreams, but I don't have the time. It's like, well, what flavor do I want to go for at the moment? And they all still link together when you put them all together. Mm. That's a really good yeah. point. Yeah, that is a really, really good point. I mean, I do sometimes listen to it in almost like, like Torch to Light, Talking Pictures, House of Keys, the title track. Mm. That four, yeah. that that's an EP. That does feel like an EP. Yeah. You're right. And yeah, like the opening, again, the opening for the Nanny Businessman, Raise Your Voice, Joyce, Tell Me What You See, Normal People Together. That feels yeah. like, and I think that is testament to the cohesion of the storytelling of Fucked Up and the breadth of the record. Obviously, I've spoken about this a lot. Oh, I fucking love this record. I actually haven't, like, I listened the sh- to the shit out of it for a good two years or so. And I occasionally do still put it on now and again. And I always feel like I want to listen to it in full. But I don't always have the time or whatever. Because like you say, it's a bit of an undertaking. But being able to pick out like Dose Your Dreams. Like, I'm just going to listen to that. Raise your voice, Joyce. Just pick that out of nowhere. Joyce stops time. And you just like, as a, you know, closing song. It's fucking it's beautiful. So, it's so beautiful. great. I, I honestly, yeah. like, this is one of the maddest fucking things that this record isn't huge. Rolling Stone. Just looking at his Wikipedia page now just to check. Rolling Stone gave it three stars. What are you doing, Idiot. lads? 7.3 on Pitchwalk. Come on. Four in Q. Like, it's done. It's done. It, it's pretty, you know, it's got an 8.2 out of 10 on Any Decent Music. 83 on Metacritic. Fine. But, like, really? Really? Number 14 in Kerrang's Top 50 Albums of 2018. So, yeah, do you know what I think? I, I think, yeah, I think it's done... I think it's done all right, but I do think it is, um, it's a slow burn. And I hope one day, a bit like we were talking about with, um, with McCluskey, I hope one day, we, I hope we get 10, 15 years down the line and people do go, oh my God, this album's incredible. Mm. And it finds a whole new audience. I wouldn't be entirely surprised because, you know, we now live in a world where genre doesn't matter. And yeah. this is a record that has absolutely no interest in any kind Zero of genre regard. conventions at all. Yeah. None at all. Yeah, fucking yeah. amazing record. Love it. Um, picks for this one. Uh, again, fucking tough. But uh, mm. this one I feel actually does give kind of two two of the many sides of it. But I've gone for Living in a Simulation and Mechanical Bull. Okay, cool. Yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing that you would have said that I wouldn't have gone, oh, yeah, good. So Yeah, there's nothing I'm... you wouldn't take off. There's nothing you'd take off the album. Like no, It's just perfect. Yeah. Number seven, we're getting to high high places here now aren't we the big hitters um this one we can kind of rattle through uh because we did recently do a classic album on it together it was my pick it is evil empire by rage against the machine um my favorite rage album it's got their most incendiary and biting performances from everyone you know not just zach i mean obviously zach on down rodeo is just like spine tingling but um Tim Comerford's bass in particular, I think, becomes so much heavier. It's funny, it's, I'm quite glad actually that we've ended up doing this because there's one thing I wanted to bring in at some point during the classic album that I completely forgot to. Or I couldn't find a time that it, where it felt particularly relevant. But in the in the kind of aftermath, like in a retrospective look at Rage and his musicianship, 
Tim Comerford said that between the self-titled debut and Evil Empire, he changed his approach to playing bass, which was to move away from slap and funk. And he decided that actually, if you have to be able to play a groove with one finger to make it heavy enough and apt enough for Rage Against the Machine. And when you listen to People of the Sun and just that, as I said on the special, that kind of noisy din that is the bass line that constitutes the chorus of that song, I just think, yeah, it, it's just sublime. Just sublime. Fucking brilliant. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we have rinsed through this record on our classic album. Yeah. Patreon.com forward slash writing podcast. Sign up for the five pound tier. You'll be able to listen to that. I said in the special, I um, don't mind giving this away as a spoiler, I have no idea whether this or the self-titled debut is my favourite Regents Machine album. And I think when you consider the legacy, the quality, the innovative nature of uh, that first record, how much of an absolute stonewall classic that is considered, the fact that Evil Empire isn't thought of exactly the same as that record i think mm. is fucking mental whether or not you think the first one's better or this is better it, it, there's absolutely i just I, I don't know there's nothing between those two records nothing and at the moment i've gone back to evil empire i think maybe just yeah. because we've been listening to it a lot i think i've gone back to evil empire being my favorite so yeah, yeah very good two songs from this and damn right there better be one of them uh, well, Dalrydale is one of them. The other one, <laughs> as, I, as I discussed in the special, the other one is People of the Sun. My, yeah. So that is my first and second favourite Rage Against the Machine song ever. Mm. So there we go. Yeah. All right, sweet. Good. Right, number six, Sam, what are you saying? Number six, um, the heaviest album on this list, both kind of sonically and emotionally. Um, seems Here quite... He loves Might of Mice and Men, this guy. Oh, architects mate architects oh bloody love them um actually that's not fair do you not like architects are, i do like architects i don't know okay, why i said I that actually. i was like yeah. don't chuck fucking architects in with the mice and men no that, that feels really harsh sam yeah uh, really sam, harsh it, if sam carter's listening for some reason sorry didn't mean that mate i do really like your band um but no it's quite apt that um this should be my kind of last show in this stint um because in my first show uh you pointed out that i had a tattoo of the album artwork of this um it is through silver and blood by neurosis oh what a fucking record the band who would go on to open woodstock 99 <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's definitely uh what they're definitely gonna for. happen definitely <laughs> yeah good that's what i want to happen um well yeah fucking hell mate yeah take it away um, yeah the the heaviest darkest shit just sonically and lyrically and um the more i kind of look into what little background there is about this record i mean the band are very reticent to actually discuss this time because essentially through silver and blood is the result of drug addiction in the band i mean literally through silver in blood is a metaphor for you um injecting heroin um it's so cloaked in metaphor and it's just the lyrics are so impenetrable the music it takes so much effort and so much of your time to really get a grasp on what's going on apart from one notable exception that has been picked um but the riffs just absolutely slam and there's some of the darkest just tones that have ever been made um or ever put to tape anyway uh and i think you know the interplay between scott kelly and steve von till's vocals is a thing of kind of curious beauty because it is so raw and naked and aggressive and yet the way they intertwine with one another just stunning um 
I would, uh, I mean, I could just shout out every member of the band, but I'd really like to shout out Noah Landis, who I don't think gets enough credit for bringing the atmosphere to Neurosis. And I think this this is the peak of that experiment for my money. But again, Neurosis are one basically from, basically from Souls at Zero. I could broadly pick any other one as my second favourite, but Through Silver and Blood's the tippy top. Yeah, I agree. I think it's clearly... That and Times of Grace, I think, are both yeah. fucking astonishing records. Like, absolutely, completely astonishing. I think they have released some really fucking great records since yeah. then as well. Um, but yeah, Through Silver and Blood was the first time I was exposed to Neurosis. And it was a fucking frightening thing. Like, when you yeah. are going, oh, I'm into really heavy music, I've got Burn My Eyes by Machine Head. <laughs> Which is a brit, you know, oh, brilliant album. No yeah. shade on Machine Head at all. Like a fucking wicked band, and they were on spectacular form back in those days. But I mean, I just remember hearing this and going, "Well, this isn't even. This is not even the same genre of music at all. Like, what? What is this? Yeah. What even is this?" And I, you know, you listen to death metal, and you go, "Well, that's that taken." that thing i was listening to but much heavier neurosis to me just felt like it was not what i was expecting at all and it took me years really to sort of fully appreciate and understand neurosis and i think um i i i got this record and it just scared the shit out of me mm. and then years later when i finally got it it's just such a fucking relief <laughs> to actually be able to go <laughs> Oh, I see. Like, I, 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 I actually fucking get this. Yeah. Because, man, like you say, it's hard work. These albums are fucking hard work, but the reward is amazing. And again, again, like, this is a very, very occasional listen for me. Neurosis. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't often go back to this one. I think of, of the 20 that I'm going to go through, it's probably the album I listen to the least frequently. But when I do, like, this is a... <laughs> is it a treat? I don't know, because it is so horrible, but I... I sit down and I take it all in and you need kind of 20 minutes to decompress after um, after it's yeah. all done. Um, yeah. Or inspiring, I think is the phrase you're looking for, Sam, this record. Definitely. An awe-inspiring trip into the very darkest recesses of the human condition. Absolutely. Spot on. Um, Two songs from this. Doesn't really sum up the album, but I think it's the it gives you the the angriest start. I have gone for Locust Star and the title track. Yeah, I think actually that that kind of makes a lot of sense. I think yeah. the title track is <laughs> one of the yeah. most perfect twelve <laughs> minutes ever written. Yeah, yeah. It's fucking. I mean, that is they're not for they don't fuck around and start with that. No. And Locust Star feels real. Like if if Neurosis have a hit. <laughs> it's Locust no, Star. Yeah. I don't think they do, but if they do have a hit, then yeah, it's Locust Star. So that yeah, makes sense. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, all right, well, we're in the top five now. The top five. Um, so uh, my number five and four have actually switched places this week. Um, obviously, they're you know in my top five albums ever. It's not like I'm saying one's one's rubbish. Like there's just one that I have a stronger connection with. Uh, but my number five. The greatest metalcore album of all time, maybe. It's Jane Doe by Converge. Ooh, is that a metalcore album? Uh, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. Well, metallic uh, hardcore, yeah. Metallic yeah, hardcore, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Is it even that? I mean, fuck knows mm. what that record is. But yeah, go on. I mean, I obviously approve of this, but continue. Naturally. Um, I mean, it's just an artistic 
tour de force as they all are and it's where converge you know became synonymous with the look of of that sound you know in in bannon's artwork of the titular jane doe um but that's not to say that the music inside doesn't live up to that um concubine into fault and fracture like absolutely savage but then you've also got the kind of i don't know the absolute desperate beauty of the title track and you know phoenix in flight phoenix in flames and everything um it just it goes to so many places despite you know still being a hardcore record through and through and obviously there is so much such a metal edge to it i mean it again a bit like through silver and blood this is hard work like the first time you hear jane doe it's not an easy listen but i mean it's more easy to get into than through silver and blood but yeah uh, just a, a staggering tour de force and Jake Bannon crafting what I believe is the greatest breakup album ever. And I don't even know what he's saying half the time. Like they don't print the lyrics yeah, in it. Knows. They don't print the lyrics. Like um, they, they've kind of got snippets of lyrics that are kind of hidden in the CD insert or the LP or whatever. Um, and it doesn't matter what he's saying because you, you feel it. You feel that intensity of his loss um, and his heartache. Uh, and I just think uh, for me, See again, Converge one where it could be a couple of albums. It could also be You Fail Me, and I've got a real soft spot for No Heroes, um, obviously, mm. and Axe to Fall. No. To be honest, so yeah, that's the four. I think they, that that four album run, like you know, Converge have done great albums in the aftermath of mm. that. Uh, but I think that four album run. Funnily enough, I think I just said to you before we started recording, my mate just texted me and he was like, "Where do I start with Converge? Yeah. Jane Doe, I guess." And I sort of was going to go, "Yeah, obviously," and then I was like, "Well, actually." I, I'd pick any of those four mm. and just go with that is absolutely fine. Um, that's a, a good, you're going to really, really love that. Yeah, I think No Heroes is actually stupidly underrated. Of yeah. those four, the three of them tend to be, you know, Jane Doe obviously is Jane Doe. Um, I think people now look at You Fail Me and go, oh yeah, you know, I've got the You Fail Me Redux and that's fucking great that is. And then Axe the Fail Four, I think, with the collaborators and what they were doing and how they kind of broadened out. But No Heroes does tend to get slightly ignored a little bit and I think it's as good as any of those yeah, four. Definitely. Although now looking at the track listing for Jane Doe, which is in front of me, I mean, I, oh, it is so this is savage like everything about just looking at it i'm like god that's savage yeah hell to pay distance and meaning fucking amazing like thor i fucking love that song home wrecker yeah broken yeah. vow like my god it's just just a yeah this is this is a, this was a, a game changer for me massive game changer but i think i've said this a whole bunch of times before so i'll just let you tell me what the two you're gonna pick are and uh, we'll continue. I have gone for the bookends of this album, so I have gone for the title track and Concubine, because, um, yeah, just incredible. Concubine's an absolute nice. rager, and then Jane Doe's the complete other end of it, where it's still absolutely brutal, but a kind of more elegant uh, expression of that brutality. Mm. Yeah, Good shout. All right, lovely. Number four. So the one that's jumped up a place, um, until, I'd say, last year... Uh, was actually the band's debut album and it's now ended up being their final one um, another band for me with an absolutely perfect discography and my favourite band um, it's Dissociation by the Dillinger Escape Plan fucking hell wow that's the uh, yeah yeah it's a wicked record it is a wicked record I mean it's an amazing record yeah uh, it, as I say it was Calculating Infinity until last year when I was kind of doing another 
a re a revisit of Dillinger. I do that kind of I don't know every three to four months. I'll just listen to their back catalogue from start to finish, and um, I think part of it is tied into uh, I was lucky enough to go to the very very final Dillinger show um, at Terminal Five in New York, and they obviously did their set. It was utterly amazing and heartbreaking because it was we're never going to see this band again and you know 43% burnt farewell Mona Lisa everything like that is like just absolutely beautiful and it just made you think yeah yeah no the best band of all time and then the absolute <laughs> ice pick through the heart they came back on stage with um, a, a string quartet called Seven Sons and they performed the title track of Dissociation the only time they'll ever do it um, and I think that memory just makes this album just about my favorite dillinger um again i I could literally have probably picked any of them on a given day um but this this does um a bit like a bit like faith no more for me uh with king for a day full for a lifetime this is everything that dillinger are brilliant at you've got the absolute manic intensity and also melodicism of the opening on limerent death uh you've got the kind of i don't know heartbroken ballad of symptom of a symptom of terminal illness you've got the weird kind of electro freak out of fugue um and then that that final track fucking love fugue that's amazing it is amazing man fugue into lowfields boulevard yeah into surrogate is like fucking unbelievable that is a three that's a, that's a random three song run on a dillinger album that i don't know how often people really kind of think or talk about that i think is just fucking out of this world great yeah absolutely but just as an epitaph on the band's career I, I can't think of a better final album and one that they decided to make their final album as well. It's like, yeah, perfect. Absolutely perfect. Yeah, it is fucking great. I do not know. I think Captain Infinity is still probably my favourite, yeah, but yeah. like after that, yeah, would probably be this or... Uh, oh, God. I don't need to think about this. Why am I doing yeah. this to myself? I don't even need to think about it. They're all fucking great, aren't they? Um, all right. Three, three songs, two songs. I'm nearly going to give you an extra song for Dylan. But <laughs> Thank you. Two songs from this record. Uh, yeah, again, uh, much like um, Jane Day, I've gone for the bookend. So Limerent Death and Dissociation, the title track. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. We are into the top three, the top three best albums ever, according to Sam. What's number three? Um, This uh, has got to be the biggest album in my list. It just has to be. Not in terms of just cultural impact, but sales, because uh, it's The Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd. Nice. Yeah. And I mean, Pink Floyd, again, an album with that, that four album run of, you know, Dark Side, Wish You Were Here, Animals, The Wall, um, mm-hmm. all perfect. Um, but Dark Side of the Moon just does it for me that a little bit more. It's just a little, a little brighter than the other albums and um i feel like it's more i don't know kind of almost more traditionally kind of progressive psychedelia than what they'd go on to do later in that four album run not to say that they went wildly off piste uh, i mean no more than you'd expect of a progressive rock band at that time but um yeah i think you know the wall is incredible just an absolute masterclass of bizarre storytelling and maybe the story's not that great all the way through but you know you you are compelled to stay a part of it i feel like dark side of the moon is just as compelling in its kind of examination of uh culture surrounding drugs in the 1970s attitudes to mental health in the 1970s you know particularly in the wake of sid barrett leaving the band um i think it just is 
absolutely perfect and so condensed you know it's it's a relatively short album for pink floyd standards there yeah. aren't any like yeah, yeah. massive sweeping epic songs that are kind of breaching the 10 minute mark um yeah dark side for me it's a fucking unbelievable record yeah. dark side yeah. i mean it's absolutely fucking incredible um it would probably as i sit here now it would probably be my third favorite pink floyd album. on the wall and wish you were here ah uh, yeah fair i mean those four like i'd never argue with anyone for picking one of those four as their favorite but, mm. but yeah. and then yeah i think that that four like say animals would be fourth yeah. um i really like metal as well i think metal's really mm -hmm. good uh but yeah i think this is yeah that four album run and it's starting here to me everything that came before dark side of the moon there's some great stuff that they did you know we've spoken about sort of early pink floyd before i still not mad on the sid barrett era and particularly the kind of the early aftermath of the sid barrett yeah, era yeah. i think some of it is really not very good at all but um yeah I, I mean dark side of the moon is fucking brilliant it is fucking brilliant and again i'm just looking at the the opening sort of just the whole thing. I was going to get the, the, open, the opening few, but then I was like, oh, I've gone all the way down to like us and them. Um, yeah, like really, really good. Yeah, I, 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 you can't argue no. with, you can't argue with this. No. To me. I mean, I think the wall, the walls, this is more consistent than the wall, but like a bit like I said, when we did the White Album, classic album, and I was like, I think the kind of, the lows on the White Album really make the highs pop. Mm. The kind of weird shit that doesn't quite work actually enhances the record overall yeah. and i sort of feel like that about the wall as well whereas dark side of the moon i think it's number well it's, it's either second or third for me um because those other ones are so perfect and the wall isn't i kind of love the i actually adore the imperfections of the wall totally fair totally but anyway fair. you can't fucking argue with yeah you can't argue with dark side of the moon it's yeah. great two songs from that oh fucking hell i mean i haven't even picked my favorite song for this one i've just picked the two that i think represent the album best so i've gone for us and them and time mm -hmm. good chat two two long ones yeah. they are they're the, yeah. they're on the longer end but i just think they're absolutely perfect they carry their length so well which is not a controversial yeah. statement to say pink floyd are quite good that long song yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah not at all uh and they're not for pink floyd like they're not even not even that ridiculously long. long like you say like seven minutes um so okay cool right well we're down to the top two what is the silver medal the silver medal um i mean you think pink floyd are good but if you're looking for music with a progressive inflection you will do no is it muse? you will do no better than origin of symmetry by me no um <laughs> <laughs> it's lateralis by tool yeah. That. Um, uh, uh, this is again another you know colossal album that i think has been poured over so well um but actually i think when it came to the uh the three weeks of tool reviews that you and renfrey did i think you summed it up really well which is you know this is an album that kind of you know indulges in like things like the fibonacci sequence and a lot of mysticism and kind of weird time signatures and strange ideas and kind of possibly even conspiracy theories because who knows quite what's going on in in every single phrase on this album and every meter um but you summed it up so well in that actually all that doesn't matter because tool just write fucking brilliant songs they just amazing songs like um the grudge 
might be my favorite opening track to any album ever um and uh i've said this to a lot of friends before i've never had the chance to say it on a sort of public forum so i'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that for me the title track of lateralis is the greatest piece of music that's ever been composed it is my favorite song of all time well, it's not a bad one. If you're going to pick a yeah. favourite song of all time, that is not a bad just, one. Yeah. I mean, it fucked my brain up the first few times. I remember getting this album the day it came out and just being like, is my CD skipping? Like, what the fuck's going mm. on? Like, it was a head yeah. fuck because it was just so complex. But also, like you say, like, the chorus, the hooks, the, everything about it, just very, very still. You know, it's in my head. I'm sort of, I've got the kind of melody of it mm. in my head. And I think that's the sort of genius at all. And I think people love to overlook that. I think people love to kind of stick their fingers in their ears and go, they're trying to be really clever, blah, 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 blah. That's just kind of stupid chin streaking music. And it's like, you know all the choruses though, mate. You remember all the fucking choruses. And you can say, oh, this is all like chin streaking, blah, blah, blah. But, just, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I've yeah. already said it. Yeah, they, they songs. They're just are a fucking Fuck brilliant off. rock bands. They just are. Like, I don't care what prefix or suffix you want to put on, what kind of other genres you want to lump them into. They just write amazing rock songs. And uh, it was this year in in the run up to seeing them at the O2. Uh, don't worry, I'm not going to review that. I think you two have reviewed Tool live enough this year. But um, <laughs> I, I realised uh, Justin Chancellor, just like his bass tone, is just. Is it the greatest sound on earth hearing Justin Chancellor play bass? And especially when you get to in Lateralus, the whammy slides, the whammy pedal slides that he does, those kind of massive dives with Maynard doing, you know, the with my feet upon the ground, I lose myself between the sounds. Oh, oh, just actually the best mm. thing that has ever happened, that song. Um, but it's not the best album to my mind. Well, pick two songs from this record as the the two. I would imagine the title track. Yeah, one, it's right? Lateralis and the Grudge for me. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's that's that seems fine hmm. to me. Um, yeah, I probably would. That would probably be my pick as yeah. well. I think Ticks and Leeches would get a shout. Obviously, um, got Parabola and Parabola. But yeah, schism, I probably I think that would. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, like I'm actually Schism is is not. I don't love it as much as some okay. people love it, but you know anyway it's not the point is it it's got a good album anyway so number one the best album in your lifetime in your opinion what is it sam so it's between one and two and i think this just pips it to the post because when i listen to lateralis i usually finish at the title track and i kind of don't always go for those final few tracks like, don't get me wrong i love disp- disposition and reflection but there is not a day in my life i can see coming where i will not listen to the shape of punks come by refused in its entirety the greatest album ever for my money um a acer- acerbic violent brutal and yet so elegant and erudite uh, and intelligent all the way through um so experimental i can't imagine what it would have been like to have been aware of refused at the time this came out and hear this the jump from songs to fan the flames to this i mean it's just oh, just a staggering and bold stylistic has it about ever been a bigger jump um in terms of quality, I don't think so because you've gone from a quite good hardcore album to the best album that's ever been written. Uh, in terms of stylistic departure, yeah, I mean, I struggle to think of many others. I really struggle. Um, but I, yeah, um, it's 
as you may have noticed in this top five i kind of struggle for words because it's where i just get to the point of just like oh my god music is just the best thing in the world ever and i just i don't even know how to verbalize quite how much i love this album just every riff every note every synth throb every electronic kind of even misstep that might be on it and you know because it's not it's not always perfect it's not always that polished and that's what i like about it it's quite rough and ready and yet it stands so proud as an album because it is so such conviction in its ideas and that opening line the actual first sung line i've got a bones pick with capitalism and a few to break it's like i mean that just is a summary of my entire political ideology put to one of the greatest songs ever it is a fucking brilliant record and i mean i think just saying oh it's a fucking brilliant record massively downplays exactly how good it is because it's a lot better than oh that's good like it's incredible yeah this is one of the fucking definitely for me one of the best albums ever made by anyone ever like again i've said it a whole bunch of times i've mentioned this record loads and loads and loads of times over the years it is fucking fantastic sublime perfect brilliant bolt from the blue from nowhere came out of fucking nowhere this record like i still i've got a mate who still thinks songs to found the flames is better than this and i'm just like you're an absolutely like a caveman. You're like, you know, like you could barely formulate a sentence. You're like some sort of like algae that's been washed up <laughs> onto the fucking beach or something. Like, what are you? You're a moron. Like, this is com- clearly better. Clearly. clearly, clearly better. And um, yeah, speaking about sort of being aware of it at the time, I mean, I'm not going to say I bought it at the time because I bought it a couple of years. I def- I bought it before the real sort of mad mm. hype started for it because i but they had just split up i think i bought it in 1999 okay um because i there was a metal cover metal hammer cd that had new noise on it and i remember hearing that and like most people my initial reaction was what the fuck is this on a cover mount cd full of like you know it probably had a you know new anthrax song on it from 1998 and it probably had like um i don't know a couple of other things but would have been a lot of new metal obviously yeah, of course. and then this song was like what the fuck is this and at first i didn't really get it and then i sort of went back to it a bit more i was like what a good song and then my mate played me uh refused to fucking dead and i was just like well this is incredible yeah. and so i ordered it you had to order cds like i had to go to mvc and they were like, can you get have you got this cd and i went no never heard of it you might be able to order it for you ordered it in and finding out like a week later that they'd sort of just split up kind of four months before this before i'd got my hands mm. on it and then playing it to my mates and going i think we've just missed out on like the most incredible band ever yeah. and everybody who heard it just went fucking like this is made everything else sound shite it's just made everything else sound a bit yeah. shit fucking great record two songs from that sound uh two songs from that uh i mean fuck me like if the others have been hard like fuck me but i have settled on worm of the senses faculties of the skull and the title track the shape of punts come the riff on that just oh mm. so fucking good like it and it's so much fun to play as well like just getting a picking up a guitar and noodling out that riff amazing um to leave with a bit of levity before i end my list entirely can i tell you how i got into refused yeah, go for it. And this might be the reason I hate them. First time I ever heard a Refuse song was Anthrax's cover of New Noise. Ooh. And I was like, I mean, I like... I, Better than Crazy Towns, but yeah, fuck me, yeah. shit. But I was like, I like this song, but I'm not sure I like this performance. And it, it said, like, New Noise, brackets, cover, when I'd got Worship Music home. Um, 
and I looked in the insert and was like, refused. Wonder who they are. And and that was it. So <laughs> even <laughs> Anthrax can't ruin the best album of all time. <laughs> it's true. I'm just looking at if I was to pick two songs from yeah. this. This might be the hardest. One, it was one of the hardest ones. I agree. Actually, I agree. Like, genuinely, I mean, because yeah, Show Punk. The title track's amazing. Refuse the fucking dead. I would probably go for Refuse the fucking dead and Summer Holidays versus Punk. Yeah, that would be. I mean, two. I could have also had Liberation Frequency. You know, just ugh, everything. Just yeah. everything. Deadly Rhythm. Refuse Party Programs. Fucking yeah. amazing. Protest on sixty. I mean, the whole thing. Tannhauser, like, how do you not have that on it? It's just a fucking mad. And of course, anyway, of course, new noise is just a fucking banger. It just is. Yeah, I mean, we hadn't even mentioned yeah, new that's noise. That's how good ridiculous. this album is. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, guys, thanks for listening. That is it. That's Sam's top 20 albums ever. As a little, just sort of farewell and adios, goodbye. Probably not forever, Sam. I'm sure we'll have you back on the show again. I'm sure that will It'd happen. be delightful if that right. did. All right, well, good. That's good to know. Oh, I'm stretching and yawning, so I must have done too long a show. Um, there you go, guys. Thanks very much for listening. Go over to Arctangent, arctangent.co.uk forward slash tickets. Put Riot Act ATG into the checkout, and you'll be able to get 10% off a ticket for the Arctangent Festival, which is coming up on the horizon very, very soon, getting closer with every passing week. Uh, we'll be back next week. Beyonce's got a new album out on Friday. As you listen to this podcast, that'll be today. So I imagine I'll be trying to talk about that. Who fucking knows? But Sam, thanks so much for everything. It's been really lovely chatting to you. And um, what a good top 20 as well. You've done really Thank well. Thank you though. very much. Uh, and it's been my absolute pleasure being on the show. You know, I said it said it all last week before uh, before my stint was extended. But uh yeah, thank you so much to you and Renfrey for putting your trust in me to, to do a good job. And thank you to the listeners because so, a load of you have been really, really lovely. And as I'm one of you, that means quite a lot. So, One of us. <laughs> one, one, big one, team, one big team, yes. One big team. All right, lovely. Thanks very much for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. Cheers. Bye-bye. <laughs>